Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 102 and it is Tuesday, December 12th, 2017. I am your host, Victor Romoyo, and with me as always is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. Not, you just perky as hell. This you just perky as hell right now. I am. I am. You know, you know, I'm, I'm fe- feeling good. You know, it's, it's, it's a good week right now. Um, right, here we go. Uh, this, <laughs> this week is the uh, final week of the semester, uh, and I got a bunch of research papers coming in this weekend. But oh, that sounds fun. Oh, it sounds like tons of fun. Oh, absolutely. Grading over 60 research papers at once. Yes. But we are. Th- broke, my brother. Oh, yeah. I can't do it. Oh, yeah. Uh, doing the doing the necessary work, but we are three days away, my friends. Uh, here we go. Yep, the countdown. Three days away from Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, which comes out in theaters this Friday. I am so amped. You motherfucker! All, all the all this time, you know. Star Wars is just not really gonna do it for me. I'm already getting a bit Star Wars fatigue. Oh, oh. Um, uh, it's just not good. It's just not really doing it. <laughs> no, it's not doing it. Now all of a sudden, we are three days away. Hey, man, listen. It's like, I won't lie. I mean, the the pop culture onslaught of Star Wars, like all the merchandise that you see from top to bottom, the books, the 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 games, the air fresheners, the tampons, all the all the merchandise that you see with with Star Wars branded on it, it, it just it's just overwhelming. And and yeah, the, the spinoff films you can take them or leave them. But when it comes to the main uh, sequel trilogy, Episode yeah. Seven, Eight, and Nine, I'm definitely all in for those. But the but the spinoff films like your Han Solos, your Obi Wan Kenobi film, your Rogue One, you can have that. I don't care. I could I couldn't care less about those spinoffs. You do realize we're gonna have to watch them for the sake of the show, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm, we're gonna have to watch them because it's our job, as per uh, the podcast. But we love what we do, and exactly. Yeah, and uh, with uh, with episode eight on the people hor- love what we do. Absolutely, so suck it up. Yeah, Dumb of course. Ass. Yeah, fuck, fuck you, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we uh, but yeah, we we love your support. To keep tuning in, and of course, next week we will be talking about Episode Eight, uh, The Last Jedi, giving a giving our spoiler filled review next Tuesday as well. You are gonna spoil the shit out of that thing? Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Especially this dude. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, my, my my body is ready for episode eight. Can you stop saying that? <laughs> you, you, that's just too much. That's too much. Can't you just say that you're ready? And what? that's it. I, I'm just I'm just sharing my enthusiasm, Carl. What's well, wrong with yeah, that? I bust. I'm like, yeah, that, that's just too much. Hey, hey, listen. Like, I'm I'm like, you need a moment. Hey, listen. I mean, you and your Dallas Cowboys love makes me pause for a second. So I don't know. I'm a fan. Like I'm. Uh, speak, speaking of the Cowboys, did they lose again? No, they did not. Oh, really? Oh, we beat the bricks out of the Giants, 30 to 10. Oh, good for y'all. Good for y'all. Oh, speaking of um, foosball, uh, did the... You know what it's called. Did the Patriots lose? They did. Yes. And who did they lose to? The Miami Dolphins, of all people. <laughs> that is random as hell, but I'll take it. Good. As They're all... division rivals, but I don't know, sometimes... Brady often loses down in Miami. Hmm. Okay. Kind of weird. Hmm, that's like his kryptonite, I suppose. 
I want to say all that. <laughs> all right. Well, as long as the Patriots are not winning, then that's all that matters. But um, but today's topic, uh, we're going to be talking about our top fives of the year. So top five films, top five albums, comics, books, TV and shows. You already just got a huge fuck yeah. <laughs> Hi Afton, how is it going? So yeah, um, so yeah, Pat's Nation. Um, Stop. Can kiss my ass, but yes, Carl. Uh, let's uh, begin with you, man. What have you been up to uh, this past week? Work. <laughs> okay. Okay, but also, um, yeah, I haven't really gotten. My, I wasn't able to get into much, but I did. Um, I caught the season finale of Rob Kirkman's um, Secret History of Comics. Okay. Which, uh, of course, they had, it's Rob Kirkman, so they had to end the season talking about Image Comics. Mm-hmm. And once again, it, they did not disappoint. Hmm. Okay. So they basically just talked about how um, the guys whose names I can't really get. I should have wrote these down before. I am my little unprepared ass. But how Todd McFarlane, Rob Layfield... Um, I want to say is Mark Silvestri, hmm. but yeah, just how they were all like Marvel. They were all artists on Marvel, and then they just felt like they wasn't they wasn't really um getting like their fair share of like characters that are created or their art the art that they were putting in. So um, they basically just told the establishment, "Fuck you, we're leaving, mm-hmm. and we're gonna start our own shit," right. and that's what they did. So, and if you can remember, like, in the 90s, where just image just blew up. Yeah. Like, I mean, their first their first art, their first uh, superhero, which I actually thought was Spawn, and I'm just saying that because Spawn's my all-time favorite hero. Hmm. So, okay. I'm just like, eh, it was Spawn. No, it was Youngblood, created by Rob Layfield. Oh, okay. So, then, and, um, and then later on, Spawn came out, and how like each artist actually had their own um, their own superhero, and what the the thing was, they were independent. So whatever, like yeah, they were published by Image, mm-hmm. but they own they own the rights okay. to each character. Whereas like with Marvel or DC, where like yeah, you create the character, but yet they you don't really have the rights to those characters. Mm-hmm. So your percentage of it, you know, you created was not necessarily what you should be getting. Yeah. So Image was a game changer and they they took all that away. It was Yeah, it was founded by Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, who used to write for DC, Wills Potasio, I I know I said it wrong. Uh Mark Silvestri, Eric Larson, Jim Valentino, and Rob Leefield. Okay. So then um they got so basically they were you know they were kids. They were like in their twenty, you know, mid twenties and all that. So they started, you know, they started feeling themselves a bit, mm-hmm. spending money that they you know shouldn't have, you know, really shouldn't have spent, you know, having like life size um cars of their particular um of their particular heroes, you know, mm-hmm. at their conventions, but they didn't realize like, okay, we had to store the thing, store the car, had to move the car. Take, set it up, put it down, and sell, you know things like that. Mm-hmm. And they would. Um, I'm so happy, Todd. I'm so happy, Todd. This spawn. I really want a second film because the end, because the ending left was left open. A, to, a spawn movie is in the works, and Todd mm-hmm. Todd McFarlane is directing it. Yep. But um, so yeah, and then after a while, you know, the young egos started to get ahead like there was even a there was even like an interview that they showed where it's like oh yeah see we usually draw our comics on this type of paper and you know it's pretty big just like rob's ego <laughs> wow 
So, yeah, Shade. so they had, like, a big falling out. Uh, Rob Leafield just actually left when they were getting ready to fire him. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the properties end up... Uh, Jim Lee ended up leaving. He went to D.C. and sold one of his properties. I can't believe... I can't remember which one it was. But um, still, I mean, it's actually... it's. And then they talk about how Robert Kirkman pretty much put them to put him back together, and obviously, and everything just kind of was like water under a bridge. Everybody gets along now. Uh, mm-hmm. Image is still putting out great content. Oh, wow. um, talking about, and what was funny is um, Robert Kirkman was talking about how The Walking Dead came about, mm-hmm. and it had like the corniest name. Yeah. It was supposed to be like zombies from like outer spaces, some shit. And they were just like, "God, that's awful." Huh. And then, like, the plot was similar to another old movie. I really should have took notes, but it was just hard to keep up with. I was watching it at work. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was just like, yo, this was the same plot. So then all of a sudden, that's when, you know, everything, all the pieces came together for The Walking Dead. And it just became this huge phenomenon that is that is right now. Yeah. Which was actually, which had a very surprising ending. Oh, yeah. On I, Sunday night. I, I did read the uh, synopsis about the last... Uh, this week's episode of The Walking Dead, which I was very surprised by. Yeah, but but then I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I was I was interested in how they're going to do that because Carl, okay. Spoiler alert: Carl got bit. Carl. Yeah, Carl. He, Carl. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I knew that Chandler Riggs was going to be. He's older now, and he's yeah. getting ready to go to college. So they wasn't sure how he was going to balance that, what he was going to do, mm. whether he was going to stay on the show or not, or go to school full time. Yeah, which I'm not knocking. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Get your education. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess he's. Le- I guess he may be leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or probably, like, he's going to be- get bit. But, yeah, he's going to be, like, be, um, like, I guess in a whatever. It's not a hospital, but, like, he's going to be getting treatment. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to be on the show as much. Mm-hmm. So he's probably, yeah, probably going to become a part-timer. Uh, I think that like that would that would kind of violate the rules of the show because like if they keep him alive just just because because he's like the one of the mainstays that would be that would be like bending the rules too much for the Walking Dead they'd have to kill him off. I would yeah I would say I I could agree with that but I mean it's whatever I'm like I said I'm holding I'm holding on I'm holding on Rob. No well okay so uh so yeah so yeah um. So with the uh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, get to the Walking yeah, Dead. Yeah, but also yeah, but back to um, his history of comics. They you know they started highlighting Saga, which is mm. a very, very good read. I highly recommend that. Yep. Um, and you know some of their other ones where and Image is also known for pushing pushing the envelope. Yeah, they do. Like all their girl, all all their guys are like just jack huge. Where I can look like they can just snap you in two, mm-hmm. and all their all their women like. Look like they just suffer from back problems from for like having huge boobs. Yeah, I I, I think that's one. one especially they were very the, over. Yeah, they were very over like sexualized. Yeah. Another one that they mentioned was like basically a porn. Was it Witchblade? No, but they did mention that. They did mention Witchblade, yeah. but it's one of their recent. It's one of their recent publications, and okay. um, he and the writer was saying was telling us like image gave me that chance. I mean, I'm sure I would we would show you the artwork, but it would definitely be pixelated every chance you get. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, like they showed the artwork from they showed the pages, and damn near every page was pixelated. <laughs> wow, uh, 
There you go. Green Road got bit and changed the same episode, keeping Carl for five episodes. Hey, eh? exactly, exactly, Nick. So, mm. um, yeah, I definitely like I said, just the whole se- the season's over now, but the whole series of Rob Kirkman's Secret History of Comics, binge watch it. Okay. If you're a huge comic, if you're a comic book fan, watch it. Mm. Definitely, definitely watch it. Yeah, that sounds really cool. It's a nice, uh, sounds like a cool profile of Image Comics. Yeah, I and might, and I might be checking out. Um, James Cam- James Cameron has a new show coming out on AMC, which is called like the History of Sci-Fi. Okay. Hmm. So he's basically gonna be doing something similar. They show, I know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger's in an episode. Um, a whole bunch of sci, a whole bunch of people that he has worked with. Yeah. From time and you know James Cameron's always been a big sci-fi dude. You know, with Avatar and Terminator. Yeah. Yeah, where there's uh, four Avatar sequels coming out. <laughs> I'm excited for those. Avatar was a game changer in itself. So, like... Well, it was a game changer for visual effects. Yeah. But it's so strange how a, t- a, m- a movie that made $2 billion, the highest grossing film of all time, left no pop culture footprint. Or or a very small one. Small, I would say small one. I would give yeah. it its due, but it was a very small one. Yeah. But... um. But yeah, that, that's that sounds pretty pretty neat. And um, but yeah, I was gonna mention like getting back to the Walking Dead real quick. Go ahead. Um, this does follow the pattern of a uh, of a good mid season finale. One of the one of the yeah. four good episodes the four of Walking good episodes, Dead. Episodes. Yeah, because yeah. um, I was doubting them. They're just saying like uh, like in the um, commercials leading up to it, it goes and be be ready for the ending that everybody's gonna be talking about. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, wow, they really did that. I think I only saw one person talk about it. <laughs> within, I, mean, I guess, within my like social media circle, Lord knows who's talking about it. Yeah, and um, and yeah, I, 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 from what I understand, that this is a pretty big departure from the comics with the television show because in, in the yeah, comics, Carl's still Carl's, alive. I think Carl's still alive and kicking. Yeah, whereas so they got to do something different with the show. Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully, this will be the beginning, you know, of the end, you know, for. For the Walking Dead, you know, because you know they they can't they can't stretch that show out for They've for another for five seasons. They are, but I mean, they should do like Game of Thrones. Know when to walk away from the table. Know when to walk away from the ring. Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad. Yep. Sons of Anarchy that you didn't start yet. I start. I watched two episodes. I'll I'll get back into that that horse on that horse eventually. Look, I even sold it to you with everything that you love. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I will, I will get back on it eventually. I, I, I promise. Uh, so, anything else? Nope. Okay. Nope. What's that? What's up with you? Uh, what's up with me? Uh, is uh, I watched a uh, two very interesting films uh, this past week, and um, these are two films that I enthusiastically recommend. Uh, the first is uh, James Franco's uh, latest film called The Disaster Artist. Mm-hmm. And it stars uh, James Franco as Tommy Wiseau, uh, who who made, who in two thousand and three made this film called The Room, which is widely known as one of the worst films ever made, and it's actually available on YouTube. You can actually find it. Really? Yeah. Is that bad that nobody gives a fuck if anybody streams it? Yeah. Well, apparently, like it's a film that's so bad that it's that it's beloved. Like it's got it's gained a cult following for like the past fifteen years. Like there's like like Napoleon Dynamite. Well, Napoleon. Some people 
enjoyed Napoleon Dynamite because it was actually competently made. The Room is an, is an incompetently made film, and for for many reasons. And and this film is so bad that you can find multitudes of of YouTube film reviews on that one film alone, and from like Nostalgia Critic, Red Letter Media, etc. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people have broken down how awful that film is, and like there's like certain theaters that have like midnight screenings of the room and people would come in dressed up as Tommy Wiseau and repeat all the shitty lines in the film. And that's how, that's, that's how much of a cult following it has. But the film, the disaster artist, it, uh, it's based on the uh, 2013 uh, book of the same name. So and people pay money just to go and make fun of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. That's how shitty it is. But, but, but here's the thing, like, um, but the the film, the Disaster Artist, it was based on the book of the same name, and it was written by Greg Sestero, who was a co-star in a and of the room, and also Tommy Wiseau's friend. And the and the film, much like the book, uh, chronicles the making of this film. And James Franco stars as uh, Tommy Wiseau, who's this weird ass, this weird ass Eastern European dude. Um, I think it's been confirmed that he's Polish, and like, like he has he he's he's very mysterious, like. Um, he has this uh, bottomless pit of money in his bank account. Nobody knows how much money he has, but he's apparently independently wealthy. Um, and he and he has a weird way of seeing the world, and he has a weird way of talking, and he has this long hair, and he and he dresses up in this black coat, and he has this weird laugh, like ha 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 ha, and and he's just a shitty actor, and and James Franco like nails him like to a T. Like from the from the from the act from the weird accent. Thank to, you, Afton. <laughs> I sneezed. Afton said yeah. <laughs> yeah, from from the weird from the weird accent to like his mannerisms and like his his seemingly like really obsessive one one track drive to make a movie in Hollywood. Like he's an aspiring actor, but he's extremely terrible. And um, and uh, Greg Sestero, who's played by his brother Dave Franco. Um, he's this guy who's in his acting class, and they're like, "Hey, you know what? I'm a struggling actor too. I'm trying to make it. Why don't we make a movie together?" And Tommy and Tommy's like, "Yeah, I'll make a movie. I do it." And then they get together. They actually make get a Hollywood, go on a Hollywood film set. They make the room, and uh, Seth Rogen also stars as a uh, uh, Sandy Shaclair, who's the script supervisor. And you see like his perspective on like how the movie was made. He's like, "I don't know what the fuck we're doing. I mean, you, this is a script." <laughs> And like, cause all the all all the all the lines are cheesy. The 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 acting is in the movie is terrible. Apparently, like the, the the movie The Room, it's like some sort of like weird melodrama about uh, Tommy Wiseau. He plays this guy named Johnny, whose whose girlfriend is cheating on him. Mm-hmm. And like the movie, I've and I've actually seen The Room itself. I've seen it on YouTube, and it's ninety minutes long, but it's so repetitive. It's the acting is so awful. The directing is so incompetent that Tommy Wiseau, he makes Tyler Perry look like Martin Scorsese. That's how bad he is. Oh, man. I forget you. I really, like, forget that you, like, hate Tyler Perry so much. I was in Walmart and I saw his book. Yeah. Well, you know what? Tyler Perry, you know what? I mean, he has his lane. I mean, he's an awful filmmaker. Like, after 15 years in the game, he still hasn't made a competently made film. But you know what? He has his audience more power to him. But... But Tyler Perry, at least, at least his stories, for for whatever they're worth, they actually make some lick of sense. Where the room does not, like there, this like I've seen like seeing seeing the room and the disaster artist because the disaster artist chronicles the making of that movie. Mm-hmm. Like the first thirty minutes of the film, the room is just three repetitive sex scenes. 
badly shot with shitty with some shitty R and B song on there, and and it's and it's awkwardly staged where Tommy Wiseau like he's like the way he's positioned on top of um the 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 the, the actress who plays um the, this girl uh in, in the film who, who stars in the room like the way he's positioned on top of her like he's like thrusting at her belly button and it's like and it, probably what he's really doing. They're really gonna. I mean, I've heard stories of people of actors who really had sex on set, but like, I don't think that was the case. Well, like the way, but the way it's shot, it's like he can't even get a sex scene right. It's like he's re, he's clearly aiming at her belly button. Like, what? The, what does he does he know? Under, does he have any understanding of the human anatomy? I don't know. People, people like that. Yeah, I'm sure there are. Sure are people who like that. Hey, you know what? Hey, who am I to judge people? people? Like belly button. There's people who like belly button sex. It's weird. Yeah okay, um, but yeah, oh, we're, we're getting off course. But uh, here we are. <laughs> but um, but what what I found interesting about uh, the Disaster Artist is that like it's a film that it doesn't it doesn't make fun of Tommy Wiseau. Like it actually shows like his passion and his drive for making this movie, but it doesn't shy away from his flaws. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like uh, like how James Franco portrays him, it's like. Uh, Tommy, his 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 Tommy Wiseau is this complete narcissist who has who lacks any sort of self awareness about his lack of talent, about his lack of skills, about how people perceive him. Even even somebody tells him like, "Yo, dude, you will never make it in this industry for not even in a million years." And then Tommy Wiseau goes, "Yeah, but after that, motherfucker, not even after that. That's how much you suck." But he still had the drive and he still had the money and the resources to make this movie. And when he made it. Uh, people people laughed their asses off when it premiered in theaters, and he was crushed by it. But uh, apparently, um, eventually, he the real time I was how embraced the fact that yeah, this movie sucks, but people like it. People are laughing at it, so I guess I did something right. So in a sense, like even though Tommy Wiseau has no talent. He kind of failed upwards. So in that wor- so in that wise, he's kind of like the Dallas Cowboys of filmmakers. Don't you see? There you go. No, now you're just being a dick. You know, he 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 fa- yeah. he, su- he succeeds at failing all the time, but you can't help but like him and admire his drive, much like the Cowboys. Ain't that right, Carl? Anyway, nope. so <laughs> so yeah, you know, the Disaster Artist. It's a really it's a really hilarious film, and I don't think you you don't have to see the room. To, to, to appreciate this film or read the book, but I hear the book is fantastic too. And usually how it goes. Yeah. And um and but if you have seen the room, then you'll definitely get a, a bigger kick out of the disaster artist. I mean James Franco was great. He directed it as well. And um yeah the, the cast the cast was fantastic and it's it's a it's a horrible the, the room is a horrible movie, but the disaster artist is a is a great tribute to a horrible film and I recommend it. Okay. Yeah. So I so I saw that and um oh Hafton's gonna be watching that tonight oh okay yeah that's what's up so so if you're watching the disaster artist then enjoy it and and like i said um i watched i did watch the room on youtube and if you do watch that movie don't do what i did i watched that movie sober and i was too sober to watch that movie because that movie was such a piece of shit i'm like yo i really need to go drink but you know what i'm gonna stay the course because i want to be fully aware plenty of look at here why did you do i know but i was like you know what i want to be fully aware i want to have all my faculties and see how shitty this movie is my god i'm not going to do that again i'm i'm not going to watch the the room again but yo i was too sober for that experience but the disaster artist i wholeheartedly recommend cuz it's hilarious 
Um, the second movie, the other movie that I watched uh, this past week, uh, it's a movie that that finally made its debut in Rhode Island, and you can and you can catch it for all of our Rhode Island listeners. You can actually catch it at the uh, East Providence Ten uh, Cinema, the three dollar cinema on Newport Ave. It's three dollars now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I will say about East Providence Ten, it doesn't smell like piss anymore. <laughs> I mean, and but it, it kind of smells like stale, kind of like stale popcorn. So it's kind of an upgrade. So props to them, um, and it's a movie that I saw, which is which is a fantastic film. It's called The Florida Project, okay. and The Florida Project stars Willem Dafoe, and uh, it has the features the on screen debuts of a uh, Brooklyn Prince, who's a seven year old girl who plays a girl named Mooney, and uh, this uh, actress uh, Bria Vinate, who was an Instagram model, who makes her debut in this film too. And uh, this film, uh, it's it's an independent feature uh, uh, written and directed by Sean Baker. And Sean Baker made this excellent film, which is available on Netflix, called Tangerine. And that film focuses on... I remember you gave... That's a, oh, wow, that was a while ago that yeah. you made that. Yeah, it was one of our early episodes of Codex Prime. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tangerine's an awesome film. It's about, um, this, uh, it's about these two uh, transgender um, uh, prostitutes trying to make it in Los Angeles. Awesome film. And uh, The Florida Project is his second, is his follow-up feature, rather. And uh, this film takes place in Florida, and, um, and, and, it, and it, focuses, it focuses on this group of very poor uh, people living on the fringes of society. And the main character is played by Brooklyn Prince, who plays a six, this, this uh, six-year-old girl named Mooney. And her and her mom, they're living in this motel, uh, this rundown motel with their, um, in Orlando, Florida. Kissimmee. Uh, Kissimmee, Florida. Yep. I'm looking at I'm looking at the plot on Wikipedia. Yeah, and um, and what's interesting is that the uh, the title of the film, The Florida Project, is actually take it was actually the project name for the Walt Disney uh, World Resort, which is located just nearby. And it's so weird because like uh, if you if you go there in real life, Walt Disney World is like within like like a stone's throw away, and like you have all this like wealth and like extravagance and like awesome splendor of a, of this of the one of the greatest theme parks in the world and then like literally blocks away is this rundown poor as fuck neighborhood like it's it's like a complete clash you have no idea how common that is oh yeah I, i'm yeah, sure as a matter sure. of fact and and um in stanford where um the wwe headquarters is yeah like it's like say if you're if the wwe building is behind me you look to the right Beautiful houses, beautiful properties. Mm. You cross that bridge under there, it's the ghetto. Oh man, yeah, it's it's the story of America, pretty much. Yeah, and um, and so this whole story and the whole story kind of. <laughs> I just thought about that Pawtucket, like what mm. industrial highway. Mm-hmm. You got um Don- the Darlington area, very nice little, very nice area, a lot of uh, single family homes and all that, and then on the other side, Quality Hill is. Quality hell, I guess. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the, the film is the film is fast. It's a fan, it's a fantastic and fascinating film, and that um, it, it it's kind of documentary like in in a way, kind of like cinema verite, where uh, it follows a six year old girl and she's she's just trying to make it, you know, just tr- living living her life and. And and what's what's interesting is that that the film follows like this girl and her and her other friends. These other other kids that are living in this um, motel, and. 
and 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 the film doesn't portray it, the film is not like poverty porn it's not like oh it's not valorizing poverty like oh look look at the look at the 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 the, the splendor of the ghetto these people are struggling look how great and awesome it looks it, you, you got to feel for, it's not it's not exploit it's not exploitative like it's it's very gritty and grounded and these kids they're not precocious they're not like adorable and sweet no these kids are some little badass motherfuckers man these kids need to get the belt what, they need to get. They need to get a motherfucking ass whooping. Like these kids are some badass motherfucking kids. They're running around the neighborhood, spitting on cars, breaking windows by smashing them with bricks, throwing bottles, panhandling for money to get ice cream, which they all share one ice cream cone, which is kind of gross. And um, they're going around swearing, just acting a fool. I was swearing as a kid. I mean, I was swearing as a kid too. But you know what? These kids are running around with like without any adult supervision for most of the day, and 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 their parents, like especially like Mooney's Mooney's mom, Hallie, ratchet as fuck. Oh my god, Urgh, I cannot stand that fucking character, man. Like she is just like she like she like the character Hallie. Like she's like a single mom, like and she's like in her early 20s she can't be like t- more than 21 like she's like tatted up and whatnot and you know what like she is t- you get she is the textbook definition of an unfit mother like because she's pretty much like mentally she's a kid herself like babies having babies she, second, yeah, second childhood. yeah like she has no business raising a kid she has no business babysitting a kid much less have raising her own like she like she steals shit like she ste- like she steals people's past like disney passes and tries to tries to resell them on a parking lot she tries to sell like perfumes and whatnot you know to tourists unsuspecting tourists and whatnot you know oh, yeah. I'm, 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 just, I'm looking at her right now this is her Yep, that is her, and uh, and you know what? I give I give mad props to the actress Bria Vinite because this was her debut performance, and you know what? It was funny it was because like she had no acting experience, and Sean Baker, the director, actually found her while he was scrolling through Instagram. So so for all you Instagram thirst traps out there, oh hey, my God. <laughs> hey, you too might be discovered by a talented filmmakers. So you know what? There's hope for y'all. There's hope for y'all oh. thirst traps out there. That was good. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> but but yo, she but she was very good in this film, and even, as in as much as I hated her character, I still kind of felt for her because it's like you know what? Get, granted, the environment that she's in, and she's you know, pretty. yeah, you know, like outside of character. Oh yeah, yeah, she is, and um, and she's very talented, and you know what? Uh, you know what? You know, in, in spite of her character is like glaring flaws i kind of feel a little sorry for her so i kind of understand where she's coming from too like because how she lives her life because like you know what else could she be and a little brooklyn prince who plays her daughter like she was fantastic as well like um she 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 didn't even feel like an actress like a like a little kid acting she just felt like you know just some kid living her life and the director was just filming her like for a documentary or something and uh, willem dafoe was also really good why you hate her I'm like looking at the pictures. I'm looking at the pictures on IMDb. I'm just like, yo, yeah. she is a straight. She's straight up. She's a yeah. ratchet. She is a ratchet ass thought. T H O T. Yeah, that's her character. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. Ugh. Anyway, like Willem Dafoe is also fantastic in this film. He plays this guy named Bobby Hicks, who's like the uh, manager of this motel that they're staying in. And what's interesting is that uh, Willem Dafoe's character, he's pretty much dialed down. And he's like, he's a guy that like, he's really, he's clearly exasperated with uh, Hallie and Mooney. It's like, he, like, yo, I'm, I'm about to kick y'all motherfuckers out. Like, I'm trying to maintain the peace here. I'm trying to, you know, maintain this building, you know, try to tend to the needs of our residents here. Like, yo, y'all need to, y'all need to stop acting the motherfucking fool. And you could tell like as 
much as he can't stand them, he also has sympathy for them, especially for the kids who who run around this motel. Because it's like, yo, I understand like you guys don't really have a father figure or, or in some cases a mother figure. So, you know, I'll look out for you for you kids whenever I however I can. So you know, you feel for him too, and also like the cinematography of the film, like um, all the. Uh, motels are pastel colored so like these are like pastel colored rundown motels that they look like they could be they could have been filmed in like a gritty version of a Wes Anderson film like if it was a Wes Wes Anderson film shot guerrilla style then Tangerine would have been would be it and like it's just it's just a fantastic film all around like from from the natural naturalistic performances to the the themes of like poverty and squalor and also like how how like how it, how in our society, especially how one's character or one's quality of character is kind of tied to like their status or their wealth or their privilege. Like, oh, if you're poor, then that means a moral failing on your part. But if you're rich, then that means that you did something right, that you're a person of virtue or valor. And I think that's a really flawed mentality that society has. But this film also explores in its own way. And it, it's a, and like I said, this is, this is one of the most unique films of the year. And and even though the characters are pretty unlikable at times, you can't help but feel a little bit for them. And I actually, and I absolutely recommend this film. Uh, check it out. It's the Florida Project. Um, it is available in uh, East Providence 10 in Newport Ave. Three bucks. Hey, one of the best films of the year. Why not? For three bucks, why not? Go see it. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Um. Like he vented a little bit, yo. He was that character that bad? She was. She, she, yo, like if she's the type of person, like the 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 Hallie character in that movie, she's the type of person that, like, after ten seconds, you 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 need to walk away because you would either curse her out or try swinging at her. That's how bad she is. Okay, let's get a quick f Mary kill. This character that you just explained, Mm -hmm. uh, Molly from Insecure. Or Amanda Seals' character from Insecure. Mm. 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 Okay. Kill Hallie from Florida Project. Straight up. See, that's a that's an unfair, that's pretty unfair because you just saw. So you, you she you're new. She's new to your hate. Right. <laughs> well, no. Even she's new to your hate. Well, e- even if even if I had pers- even if I had like months later months perspective, I I still would say the same thing. So I would kill uh, uh, Hallie's character. The character of Hallie from Florida Project, mm-hmm. I would. Damn, that's really tough. That's like bougie versus bougier. Um, Molly or Amanda Seals' character, Tiffany. Yeah. Tiffany, yeah. Um. Oh man, I would. Okay, I hope F, Captain's watching this part. I would f Tiffany, marry Molly. And and I would divorce Molly afterwards. That's what I would say. <laughs> Nobody said anything about divorce. Hey, I'm just saying. You found a, you found a loophole. I did. You did. You did. <laughs> so yeah, that was pretty much it. What I've been up to. Um, and uh, right now, we're gonna get into the uh, some news and items of interest uh, this week. Uh, we do have, uh, and also our main topic is our top five favorite whatevers of the year. But before we get into that, uh, one of the I think the biggest uh, events that happened last week was. Uh, IGN's 2017 Video Game Awards. That's also what I've been up to. Okay. So I guess I had to hold off to it. All right. So we got the results here. So we'll break down some of the some of the key ones. So um, what did you think of the event as a whole and some of these results that we'll get into in a moment? It was okay. Yeah. Like I, I it's it's still what, fairly new. 
Uh, I think it was since 2014. So yeah. Yeah. So you can tell like they're still in their baby steps, and they just they just need more time to grow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because uh, didn't Spike TV host them, or they have like their own? Um, I I mean I might be remembering wrong. I think it was Spike TV that hosted the IGN Awards, or it might have been. I might have been another video game awards. I might have been like the Spike TV video game awards, oh, okay. like not not IGN, but I'd have to double check that. But but yeah, I mean, I I, I thought it was an enjoyable show, and um, I I wasn't surprised about uh, IGN's game of the year selection. Uh, it was Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda. Yeah, I wasn't surprised about that either. I mean, highly disappointed though. Yeah, my game got no love. Ah, uh, and that game was Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, man. No love. No love. Yeah, it was nominated, but didn't get nothing. Yeah, you know that's. Hey, you know, I mean, I, I was a little, I was a little surprised by that too. But then, then again, like this year has been a very competitive year for good. It games. It has. This has probably like been like one of the best game, best years for games in a while. Mm. I'll say so. Like, and even last year was good too. Yeah. Yeah, but like this year, man, it's like yo, you can like literally like just flip a coin and you can land on a good game. But Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, I've heard like universal praise. Like I haven't heard like a single like negative thing about it. Even even in some of the more critical reviews of it, yeah. like it still gives it its props. Yeah, I mean, I didn't play it exactly, but I watch like I watch people play it. It's a very very good looking game. Oh yeah, you know for what it was, you know. But it's, I mean, props to, I give it props. But it's just damn, Horizon got no love. I was I was kind of hurt. I'm hurt by that. Hmm. Yeah, man. Um. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe it was like a toss up between Zero Dawn, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Breath of the Wild because like they're both like similar. You have Zelda yeah. and a Zelda esque uh, adventure game. Yeah. So maybe it was like, well, you know, if we had to choose, we'll just go with the Zelda game. But but yeah, I mean, you know what? I mean, I would like to play, play Breath of the Wild, but I don't care how great a good game, a, how great a single game is. You cannot spend money on a console for one game. You know, oh, that's yeah, just that was me. your that was your major beef. Yeah, with and, the, that was your major beef with the Switch. Yeah, because that was yeah because well that was the only game that they had at launch, correct? Yep. Yeah. Now they have a few more. Like they have Super Mario, Odyssey? Super Mario Odyssey, Odyssey, which yeah. got a lot of which got a lot of praise too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have like uh, lesser ports of Doom and Skyrim, yeah. but. You know, but hey, um, Legend of Zelda, it won Game of the Year as well as uh, Best Game Direction. Um, and yeah, I think those are the two major awards it won. But yeah, well-deserved, I'd say, from what I've seen. Um, Overwatch got Best Esports Game. Yeah, I heard Esports is actually going to be, they're actually trying to make that into an Olympic event. Really? Huh. You know, it's, it's well... I know, and, and I know. Thing it, was they call, and they called them athletes, and I'm like, there's nothing athletic about these motherfuckers that are nominated. <laughs> I don't know about an Olympic sport, but um, I know in I know in South Korea, StarCraft Two is like a legitimate sport, like a legitimate right. esport. Uh, but yeah, over Overwatch, man, it's been it's been going strong since. Yeah, but like, what is it like? Best, yeah, best ongoing game got it. Mm-hmm. Which I know because Aris and all of them are still playing it on Thursdays. Yep, I know. Like when I go when I log into the PlayStation Network, I'd see their names: him, Aris, Furman. They're playing Overwatch. Oh, so you got more than four friends? Yeah, I got like five friends on on, on my PS PSN. <laughs> yeah, man. Damn it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you got one more since I last. <laughs> Do I need to get more PSN handles? Yeah, why not? I mean, 
people I know, I guess. Oh, I'll find out. Um, some other some other awards that are, that uh, that have won uh, best action game was Wolfenstein Two: The New Colossus, well deserved. Yeah, I remember you jonesing about that. Oh yeah, I love it. Um, Persona Five for best role playing game. Yeah, very. That was very well deserved. Is also Super Mario Odyssey got a lot of awards too. Mm-hmm. Best family game. And there was one more too. Uh, did it? I know. I know Mario Rabbit, Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battle got best strategy game. Right. Yeah. But um, also, oh yeah, Legend Breath of the Wild also won uh, best action adventure game as well. So that was his third major award. Uh, also um. Uh, best score, best musical score was Near Automata, which was that's your game. Yeah, that's very well deserved, and I'll get into Near Automata uh, later on. But and Justice Two got best fighting game. Yep. Well, uh, well deserved. I haven't, I haven't Justice Two finally. Oh, you finally bought it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It was one of my Black Friday um, games. Okay. Best Buy had it for fourteen bucks. I'm like, you know what? Sweet. I get it. the Best Buy near my job was opening at twelve thirty. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I got off at 11. Yeah. There was nobody there. Mm-hmm. So I was probably like the fifth one in line. So I stood in my car for like uh, until what? 12, four, I mean, about 1145. Mm-hmm. Listen to eight. What podcast was it? I was listening to, I was listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> listening to us. And, <laughs> and before you know it, doors open. And we was good. Nice. Hey, that's what's up. Um, also, uh, Cuphead won best debut. Cuphead got indie a game. lot of love. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to see why. Like, like, like best independent game as well, and like the the 30s animation style, I think is awesome. But I heard that game is hard as fuck. Um, I only know one person who played it. Shout outs to Ed and happy birthday to you, brother. Mm-hmm. And um, I watched them play it on their on their Twitch stream, and I just it seemed like it looks it looks a little fun. Something my parents would play because mm-hmm. I I mean. Well, not so much my mom and my dad can't really play games like he used to, mm. you know. But yeah, back in the day, oh my God, they would—you would think they were about to get divorced playing <laughs> Doctor Mario and Burger Time. Damn, it got that competitive. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh shit, that's what's up though. Uh, yeah. Um, also, there were there were a couple of more interesting um interesting uh, occurrences at the awards, especially and some previews. Like, I love the fact like um. They were cracking on EA for their microtransactions. Yeah, they did. Oh, who was it? He was presenting it and he goes, hold on, I have to pay for this just to open it. Yeah. And he opened it with his debit card. Yeah. Um, when he was presenting best uh he was presenting best action game. Yeah, and who's yeah. an actor too. Yeah, he's he's playing a Shazam. Yes. Yeah, um he started in that I think he started in Chuck. Uh, the show Chuck. Yeah. So if you look up look up his name, you'll you'll know him. But uh, but that was funny. Um, and also Bethesda had their uh, uh save single player games with the Linda featuring Linda Carter, uh, aka Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah. How they were basically dissing the not only EA but also other companies that seem to an Activision in particular for like pushing multiplayer only games. And um, I thought that was pretty hilarious too. Um, because you know, kind of like pushing back at some rather shady practices of the games industry, as well as some questionable trends. But the one, the one event that kind of made me roll my eyes was uh, Joseph Fairs when when uh, he was presenting his game, A Way Out, mm-hmm. and like he was just going off. Oh yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you got his name because I'm like sitting there watching this dude, and I just had to text you. We was texting back and forth. I'm just like. Who is this dude? Yeah, he's like, what the hell is he talking about? Because me, me for one, I was like, 
I was busy doing something else, and I'm just like, the fuck is up with this dude? Yeah. And all the only thing I could understand from uh, stand from him was the swearing. Yeah, apparently, like, like his game A Way Out is being uh, published by EA, and then, mm-hmm. like, he was, like, like he, he, he was a, he's a filmmaker as well. He right. made some films that didn't get any traction, at least here at Stateside, but it was, like, he's, like, yeah, yeah, fuck the Oscars. Fuck, fuck Oscars can fuck themselves. Fuck you, Oscars. And I'm, like, I'm like, what the fuck is this guy on? <laughs> and then he's, like, and he's, like, hey, listen, as far as EA go, EA, EA talked, people make fun of EA because of their trans- microtransaction shit like that. Look, EA has been very good to me. Yeah, They've the- been, they're very good to me. It publishers fuck up sometimes, but they've been very good to me. I'm sorry, Yo, I'm passionate. The poor host was like, "Can we just get on with this motherfucker?" Oh, now? poor, poor Jeff Keighley. Yeah, poor, I mean, he was he was like being a professional. He was trying to like like he he needed Sandman from from Dude the Apollo. He asked him one tonic. <laughs> oh man, but but this this guy was just like yo. I mean, he was talking about, oh, I'm just passionate. I'm just jet lagged. But I'm like, dude, there's passion and then there's what you're doing. It's like, this dude needs to grow the fuck up, man. But one thing that they they had some premiere, they had some, you know, premieres, but yeah. one premiere, Death, Strand, Death Standing. Yes. Oh, my God. With Norman Reedus and mm. um, Mads Mikkelsen. Mm. Yeah. And that's uh, the game's being uh, directed and made by uh, Guillermo del Toro and Hideo Kojima. Yeah. Yeah, that game looks so weird. So, I don't. I, I still don't know what it's about. It looks me neither. Yeah, like. But I'm like, shut up and take my money. Yeah, I I want to see more of this. Like, because apparently, for those who aren't aren't familiar with Death Standing, like, words can't really do it justice. You just have to like YouTube the the footage for yourself. But apparently, like Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead is in it. And he plays the main character. And it's like this sci-fi game where they're in this wasteland. And apparently one of the characters is trapped un- trapped underneath this like big structure. And like he's rapidly aging. And then like these aliens are are like walking past him. And they have like these these devices on their shoulders, which kind of seem like trackers and whatnot that like open and close like an aperture on a camera. And like they're holding their breaths so the aliens won't detect them and then like and then suddenly somehow it involves like this 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 fetus in like this this artificial womb that they're that the, that Norman Reedus is carrying strapped to his chest it was still like inside it ended up inside him somehow some way like yeah just... I, yeah like, i think like either like either like it like crawled in there or like you just gave a carl summary on that game but honestly (laughs) that's the only way we can summarize it for real like it's so weird you have to see it for yourself you do but it looks so good it does It, it does and you know like with the creative talents of kojima and del toro like they didn't tell you shit yeah, they didn't tell you shit. Even like, cause the game first be they um they first premiered it last at last year's E three. Yep, and all you just saw was just a naked Norman Reedus and like a strange being in the sky, mm-hmm. and that was it. Yeah, we got yeah. nothing else. I don't even think we even had a title at that time. No, I think we had a title. I mean, it was did, called Death Standing. All right, and yeah. and that was it. We're just like, yo, what the hell was that? Yeah, yo, that game looked good, and I was like, that game looked good. Like, I need to see more. I need to see more, but I still want to get it because it looks uh, it looked that good. Yeah. And then this is just like you got another tease, mm-hmm. and it's, you still want more. We still want more. Yeah. And they're not giving us a goddamn thing. They're not, and we don't even know they, how, we don't even know what it's gonna play like. Kudos to their market marketing strategy. Yeah. Kudos Abs- to it. Absolutely, and um, 
And I will say that, man, uh, uh, Konami, Konami fucked up by letting Hideo Kojima go. They really did. And guess what? He's being, he, he's being, Hideo Kojima is, did I say his name right? Yeah. He's being driven by pettiness right now. <laughs> he's about to come up with a masterpiece. And he's just going to sit back, sip some lemonade with his feet in the air like, ah, bitches. Yep. Hey, you know, hey, it's what happens when you let good talent go. Hey, look at me. I made a good game. Oh. <laughs> Marvel, Image Comics. Yep. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah. Some, guy, some of them guys came back and they sold some of their properties. Mm, that's true. But yeah, man, Death Standing, man. Check it out on YouTube. Just see for yourself and let us know what you think about it. Podcast at gmail.com. So yeah, so that was the IGN uh, Video Game Awards. You can find the complete results online. And we also have uh, some other news with uh, Warner Brothers and DC. Apparently, uh, Warner Brothers is going to be restructuring DC films after Justice League's flop in the theaters. Uh, DC Films co-president of production, John Nick Berg. Quattrini, sorry, I'm yeah. but Nick Quattrini really just he just agreed with us. He said he saw the trailer yesterday and it was amazing. Hard eyes emojis. But I want to know more, too. It's like the Star Wars teaser. It was so good. You had to drop money. Hmm. It's that's, that's that's pretty accurate. I'd say that so. Pretty, that's a pretty accurate statement. I'd say so. Yeah. But uh but go ahead. I'm sorry about that. But yeah, um with a with a DC and Warner Brothers, uh DC Films co-president of production John Berg will be leaving his job as head of DC Films in January as a result of Justice League flopping and will transition to a producer role with Roy Lee who produced the Lego movie and It. Uh, DC's chief creative officer, Jeff Johns, will will remain involved in a more advisory role. Uh, DC Films may also be integrated in WB's main studio branch, much like Sony and Fox. Uh, Batman will be recast with a new actor in Matt Reeves' solo Batman film, and rumors suggest Jake Gyllenhaal. But Ben Affleck is still set to reprise his role in the Flashpoint movie. And, And... most of all, there are no plans for Zack Snyder to direct another DC film. They need to get it together and leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, well, from 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 what I see here, it's like a little shakeup going on yeah, at, it is. at Warner and DC. But it sounds like they're starting to get their house in order. No, it looks like they're like it's fine. They finally just said, um, "Yeah, we fucked up." Yeah, we fucked up. Yeah, because Justice League, uh, it flopped domestically. Like, it did make its money back internationally, but, like, the film cost $300 million to make, and it made just under 200 like, uh, 200 or $175 million. So that's pretty bad. Yeah, because it's a lot of money lost. And and like we said last week, like, they knew they had a bomb in their hands, but, you know, they just stuck the, stayed the course. Um, I, I think um, by restructuring... Um, the uh the 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 studios they need to they need to place somebody like like a Kevin Feige like firmly yeah. a, in a, as an and executive they producer they have to know comics they have to like yeah. know they have to be like a huge comic book fan mm-hmm. who has like a degree in like film yeah a degree in film and also also like hire hire the the writers of the DC animated films because they seem to yeah. knock it out of the park all they the time got, they're chilling yeah they are chilling they're good. Yeah, just keep wondering. If they put the, but if they put them in charge, oh my god. Yeah. DC would be DC would do just as good as Marvel. They would, they would, and um, 
and I and I and I and you know what? More than ever, I really hope that DC can get it together and and put out that consistent quality. And the supervillain is on. He just has six hundred million worldwide for Justice League, which is fine, John. But it still flopped here in the states. So it's still a, not a good look for Warner Brothers, man. I know you're grasping at straws as the resident DC fanboy slash DCEU apologist, but come on, man. I feel for you, but you know what? Uh, you know John, what? get your ass up here and be on the show. <laughs> like I, I'm ready. I would. Lo- that that would be just an amazing show, like a three way debate. Yeah, we w- we will make it happen soon, but uh, at some point. But uh, but I, I I want I want DC to succeed. Uh, because for two reasons. One, because I want John to know how us Marvel fans feel. How to how it feels to have You're a Marvel, you would consider yourself a Marvel fan? Yeah, for the most part, you like seem more, you seem pretty neutral. Like like I I I'm a fan, but I'm not like so You're not I'm, a super fan. I'm not a super fan, basically. Like okay. like I want John to know how us Marvel fans feel and that that we get consistently good films. You know, we get the very rare not so good one. Like we have our we have our misses. Yeah, like Guardians Two and Thor the Dark, Thor, Thor the Dark World, and to a certain extent Thor Ragnarok. But you know, out of twenty something films, man, we know how it is to have a consistently good film out there. Whereas you, John, you you're on the outside looking in. You want to know how that feels, and I feel for you, man. But someday I hope you will get there. So that's one reason. And the second reason is because apparently this Disney Fox merger. Seems inevitable, man. It could happen. They're, they're talking about any minute. Any minute. I'm now. literally like standing by my phone, waiting for like the news report to like just flash and be like, "Up oh, there it is." Yeah, and if and but if, then at the same time, it could just not go through. That's yeah, true. Like anything could happen at this moment. Yeah, last minute details could happen, but like if Disney. If it's con- fully confirmed that Disney gets their hands on Fox's uh, properties like X Men and you know Fantastic Four, then it's basically like a big juggernaut versus DC, and it shouldn't be that way. So I'm hoping that this will motivate DC and Warner Brothers to get their their act together more than ever and put out that heat. But that's but that's 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 what I'm saying. Nick, I still have to. I still got to see the Batman anime anime trailer. Yes, Batman Ninja. Yeah, <sighs> phenomenal looking. Like anime. I saw a flash of it, I was like, "Dude, I I I gotta see it. I gotta sit down and watch it. Probably as soon as this is over, I'm gonna watch it." Yeah, I give it five Dylons out of five because it's hot fire. Damn. <laughs> um. Uh, we also got some uh, uh, trailers, uh, some three trailers that dropped uh, in the past couple of days. Uh, the first, we have a new trailer for Steven Spielberg's adaptation of Ready Player One, which is coming out in theaters March 30th next year. I still year. need to finish that book. Okay, so you're... But I have a... De- I, there's a deadline now, so I'm only like... I only got like 10 chapters left. All right. And uh, and you seem to be a, a, a fan of the book. The book's not bad. Okay. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Hmm. And you know, get you know, with the trailer dropping now, it's like I got a better visual. Yeah. So it's like it'd be easier for me just to get that get through the book even faster because there's other stuff I want to read. Yeah. Um. I don't know, man. Like, 
like I the 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 trailer it just seems like copyright the movie because it's like there's so many properties like and like already on YouTube there's like a bunch of like Easter egg tra- Easter egg breakdowns of that trailer. Oh yeah, people analyze. Listen, this is Easter. Egg. People put out Easter eggs five minutes after the actual trailer is like dropped. Oh yeah, it doesn't even matter what trailer it is. Oh yeah, people are ready to break this shit down. Absolutely. Like like they like they uh, came across like the discovery of the age or something. Yeah. Like um like we've seen like there's Overwatch Tracer from Overwatch Chun Li Blanca Chucky, uh, the DeLorean, like it's just like good God man Iron Giant, it's like man this this is overkill. So how much? Wait, you saw Overwatch in there? Yeah the the one of the main characters from Overwatch this character Tracer oh, orange okay. goggles she's like she's oh, like okay. on the she's on like on the cover of Overwatch. Basically. Oh okay. Yeah, I gotta watch it again. Yeah, um, like it, it, it just looks like it. I mean, it looks fun, but I'll be honest. I, I read the first thirty pages of the book, and I had to stop because, because I'll tell you, man, the book itself, from what I've read so far of the first thirty pages, it's like it, it's like Ernest Cline is trying way too hard to pay homage to the '80s. It's like it's 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 like it's like reading Ready Player One. From what I've read, it's like Ernest Cline wanted to make an encyclopedia of the '80s, but then he watched The Matrix and he was like, "You know what? Why don't I kill two birds with one stone?" And then we got this vomiting '80s references on every page, and it's like, "Fuck you, guy!" It's like there's paying homage, and they're just trying way too hard to like, you know, to like kiss the feet of nostalgia. It's like it's just overkill. I see your point. Yeah, I, I, I see your point. The story's right. The story is good, though. Is it? Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll watch the movie. Well, I was yeah. Watch the watch the movie. It'll be one of those cases where since you already have your set opinion on it, yeah. watch the movie first and then see how you feel. If you're interested in reading the book, then go ahead and then you can you know it's always good to compare the two. Yeah. So, yeah, see the movie first. See how you like it. I'll let you borrow my copy. Okay. All right. Cool. I'll I'll stick I'll I'll stick around. Uh yeah, um shout out to Kyle. He says I'm here just so I won't get fined. <laughs> hmm. That's okay. in re- that's in reference to um Marshawn Lynch who currently plays for the Oakland Raiders. Like he just hates doing he hated doing interviews, so he mm. had to do like um a press conference mm. for um the, the last Super Bowl they were in, and it was just like, I'm just here so I won't get fined. Oh, and he just he was like so nonchalant about it. It was so funny. Oh, okay. oh yeah, I did see that. I did come across that. I heard that like a lot of people are giving him shit for it too. Yeah. Mm. Oh well. So yeah, Ready Player One. That's the trailer. Um, we also had a trailer for Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Coming out June twenty second. I didn't see the last Jurassic World. Yeah, you're not missing anything. Didn't Maurice like love it? Well, Maurice really liked it. Um, I thought it was boring. I cause I, I fell asleep in the middle of it. Like I had to pause it. I I red boxed it, so I paused it in the middle. I I took a ten minute cat nap so I can have the energy to finish the rest of it. Yeah, it it wasn't really worth it. You're not missing anything. It's really not worth it. But it's not in it. But it's not connected to the first three Jurassic Park movies in the. It is in the nineties. I will have to say though, the 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 spe- the special effects in the nineties they were special effects back then. Yeah, it looked more realistic than the CGI that we got in this trailer. It would, yeah, that's really true. Like you can just definitely tell, like it was just like you can tell it was CGI. Like I'm talking about Superman's Justice League mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, the, the Fallen Kingdom, I mean, I mean, it has a somewhat interesting premise, like the second extinction of these dinosaurs, like yeah. this volcano that erupts on, an isle, on the island, and I don't know. But it was good to see Justice Smith, who played uh, Zeke in the, uh, in the Get Down. It was good to see him getting work. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I like seeing people from shows and movies that I like just, you know, getting work in other play, in other fields. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, get that money, young man. Yeah, hustle. Uh, so Fallen Kingdom um, is directed by J.A. Bayona, who directed a, an awesome uh, uh, Spanish horror film called The Orphanage back in 2007. Um, this one, eh, eh, eh. I mean, you know what? I'll probably go see it in theaters when I have Movie Pass. So what do I lose? So I'll probably. Oh, check you ended up getting it. Yeah, I did. Oh. Movie Pass is fantastic, man. There you go. Yeah. I can rev- somebody, somebody who goes to movies as much as you do, you need that. I do, and like looking back at all the movies that I've that I've seen this year, it's like, damn, I reviewed a lot of movies this year alone. Hey, yeah, dude. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'll I'll check it out. I'll give it a fair shake. But is that wait, is movie pass with select theaters or is it like pretty much all theaters? All, so like, all except AMC because AMC has beef with the movie pass. Okay, I knew because I what about like Avon? Yep. Really? Yeah, even even independent theaters like Avon and uh, Cable Car Cinema. Where is Cable Car? At? Uh, South Main Street. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, Movie Pass is awesome. Nine ninety five a month, and you can get to see all the movies you can you can like in a span of thirty days if you want if you wanted to. That's shit, and it's but it's only two D screening, so you can't use it for like three D or IMAX, which uh, is fair. Yeah, that is. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, that's what's up. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's that, and then we have the third and final trailer, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That looks good. Yeah, animated Spider-Man Marvel film. May, Marvel may have something on their hands on the animated front. Yeah, plus it has Miles Morales. Yeah, which I'm, I know I'm too old for the role. I think I got I can pull it off. You can't pull you can't pull off a high schooler, Carl. You, Who told me I look young? You're 33, Carl. <laughs> People told me. Listen, if they can make Michael Douglas <laughs> look young in Ant Man, mm-hmm. they can make Kurt Russell look young in Guardians too. They made well. They're both younger adults. They're, they they weren't DH to be teens, man. I, I can pull it off. Maybe I'm a bit taller, but I can pull it off. Let it go, Carl. Let the, the let the dream die. But uh, but yes, it, it comes and goes. Yeah, but yeah, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. I mean, it has an interesting premise. It has Miles Morales and multiple Spider Men in the same yeah. universe. Yeah. He's like, there's more of us. I'm like, that's dope. Yeah, and, and plus, I, I like the, I kind of dig the animation style. It's different. Yeah, it, it looks like it looks like a, a comic book, like literally come to life, not just like traditional animated style. But, but in yeah. a way, I kind of got it. It's like. The '90s Spider-Man, because you know it kind of had its little, I guess was it what was supposed to be 3D. Yeah, had computer some, entering. It had some janky 3D in there. But it just got a major two-decade upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> it's like <laughs> at it, least that's what I got out of it. I can see that. It's like, yeah, we got money now. We'll see it, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. But yeah, into the Spider Verse. You know what? I'll I'll check I'll check for that. That comes out uh, next Christmas, Christmas twenty eighteen. Oh okay, I got time. Yeah. yeah so that, and that's and that's a good time too because that's coming out right after the uh, Venom movie coming out next October. Oh okay. Yep. So yeah, there's that, and uh, we have a couple more headlines here. One that was pretty interesting. 
Apparently, uh, Quentin Tarantino is planning to direct an R-rated Star Trek film. Yeah, Tarantino, Star Trek, rated R. I'll, that's going to be... That's going to be weird. Yeah. Let me elaborate here. Uh, apparently, uh, Tarantino recently pitched his idea of an R-rated Star Trek film uh, to Paramount Pictures and J.J. Abrams, who are both fully on board. Uh, Paramount agreed to meet Tarantino's condition that his Trek film will be rated R, and the studio was motivated by the recent successes of rated R blockbusters such as Deadpool and Logan at Fox. Uh, Screenwriter Mark Smith, who wrote The Revenant, will be writing the script, and Tarantino intends to direct the film himself. And in addition, Sir Patrick Stewart is also interested in reprising his role as Jean-Luc Picard for this R-rated Tarantino Star Trek film. Hmm. Be cool to see Jean-Luc Picard again. Yeah. Like Tarantino? Yeah. That's like... I, I can't see his star. It's 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 like the weirdest... He's uh, going to try to like put the 70s Star Wars... I mean, Star Trek in it. It's so hard. But, yeah, With J.J. Abrams directing style too. It's just... It's going to be weird. Yeah. It's going to be an acid trick. It it is like it, it's so weird that like I want to see this made, and um and apparently Tarantino reportedly he's an avowed Star Trek fan like he's a he's a big Trekkie, on that yeah. yeah a big Trekkie and he apparently his idea might might be so good that Paramount's like hey R rated Star Trek you know what why not let's see what you can do with it so you know what I, I'm I'm willing to see what he's willing to go um I'll let you do that. I mean, yeah, I'll watch it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not big on Star Trek, um, but I, I did appreciate the J.J. Uh, Abrams films. Well, the first one, anyway. Into Darkness, I didn't really care for it too much, and Star Trek Beyond was fine. It was fun. Um, I still want to see Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery, uh, which is on CBS. But you know what? I'm, I'm intrigued because Tarantino hasn't made a bad film, and really, yeah, I can, I can really say I've seen a bad Tarantino film. No, they're not. All of them have been good. And you know what? I'm I'm interested. R-rated Star Trek film, Tarantino at the helm. You know what? I'm there. I want to see what he can bring to the table. So, when more when more news develops, we'll all you, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, ha- have you seen uh, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek? Mm-mm. Well, yeah, you should watch it from 2009. It's actually yeah. it's a fun movie. Okay. That and Star Trek Beyond, which came out last year, and that was directed by Justin Lin, who did right, Fast and Fast Furious. Yeah, that was also fun as well. Um, so there's that, and then our final headline here: Ryan Reynolds will will star in the live action Pokemon film Detective Pikachu, in which he will provide the voice of Detective Pikachu. Huh. Well, and also the film will star Justice Smith, who stars in Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, and Catherine Newton, who stars in Big Little Lies on HBO. Uh, Rob Letterman, who directed Goosebumps, will be directing this film as well. And the script was written by Alex Hirsch and Nicole Perlman, who wrote Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, production begins mid-January, and no release date has yet been set. Deadpool voicing Pikachu. Deadpool voicing Pikachu. And apparently, uh, apparently Pikachu, he can speak more than just his name now. So it's like Meowto. Who can? Who knows? Mewtwo. Mewtwo. Who knows the English language, and who apparently can think like a human, 
will they ascribe the same to Pikachu? I, I gotta I gotta hear Will I gotta hear yeah. uh friend of the show Wilson's and Harris's and all that. Like the John Grace, the guys who were from our Pokemon Go's anonymous episode. Yeah. Which is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Like I have to hear their thoughts on them. So if they're listening or watching, yo, let me know what y'all think. Yeah. Because I was <laughs> never the Pokemon fan until and uh, John Haponic left a comment here. He says that Danny DeVito would have been the perfect voice for Pikachu. <laughs> you know what? Danny DeVito in his penguin voice as Pikachu. That would be no, so... that's scary. Yeah, that's just creepy. That would be just a comedy. At that point, it it's would. like, I'll just laugh my ass off. And then so many parents would complain, kids. <laughs> but you know what? Hey, it, it, this, is, this has been the week of weird news. So with Tarantino and then Pikachu and Ryan Reynolds, hey, you know what? Why not? Why not, why not an R-rated Pokemon film written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Ryan Reynolds? You, you might as well. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, those are our news and headlines this week. And uh, right now, we're going we're gonna to get into our top five categories, our top five favorite things of the year. So we got top five favorite video games, favorite movies, uh, books, wrestling matches, albums, shows, moments, whatever. We'll come at you with our top fives, and you can leave your top fives as we go as well. Yeah. So uh, why don't you kick us off, Carl? All right. I'm going to start off with uh, first with our top five matches. Damn, I didn't even write number five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Wrestling matches? Okay. All right. Um, gee. Okay. Unfortunately, I only have four for this one. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to start off. Um, these actually are in no particular order. Okay. I couldn't put them in. I couldn't put them in any, any order because they were just all, they were all like brought something great to the table. Sure. Okay. Actually, never mind. I just figured out number five. Okay, so first I'm gonna start off with Kyrie Sane versus Shayna Baszler in the Mae Young Classic. Okay. Hmm. Interesting choice. All right. Next one. Wait. Wait. Oh. wait go ahead. No. No. Go. Ahead. Oh, you wanted to elaborate on each of your choices, or? Not really. I can just breathe. I can breeze through them. Okay. Sure. Um, the Usos versus the News New Day in the SummerSlam pre-show. Okay, that actually got people to like watch the pre, want to watch the pre-shows. Yeah, that pre-show match was fire, though. Yeah, that was actually the best match in that whole SummerSlam. When you think about it, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that's sad. Um, and then, oh, and then before that, you mentioned AOP. AOP versus D- DIY from NXT Takeover Orlando. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Authors of Pain fan. Oh yeah. Then Authors of Pain versus the Undisputed Era versus Sanity in NXT Takeover War Games. Okay. Yeah. And War Games need I, NXT War Games need I say more? Oh, the the whole event. I wouldn't say the whole the whole event was great. Mm-hmm. The whole event was a very good one, but that particular match was fire. It was. It was. And. Um, once again, Usos versus New Day, Hell in a Cell. Yeah, yeah. That that match was great. Like, yo, the Usos and the New Day, they have such excellent chemistry in the ring and on promos. It's like, they put out some of the best tag team matches all year. It's well, some of the best matches, period, in WWE. They do. They do. I do not, get, I do not disagree at all. Oh, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. And um, those are some good choices, man. All right, go ahead. What's yours? Um, my, my top five matches of the year, like I actually put this in ranked order. So I'll start from my, uh, number five to my number one and I'll elaborate on a few as I go. Uh, my number five was Asuka versus Ember Moon. Mm. 
Yep, at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3 in August, uh, this past August, for the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, this was Asuka's uh, 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 final match as yeah, NXT Champion. Yep, before she injured her collarbone. But this was an excellent match yeah, uh, between the great, two. It was a great way to leave NXT. Yeah, it was a great way for Asuka to leave NXT. And it was also a good story for Ember Moon. Like, she came very close, but uh, she she just couldn't get the job done that night. But uh, but yeah, it was a great, it was a really great send off for for Oscar and Ember Moon. Like she's definitely one of the best, uh, women women's wrestlers, and uh, and not only NXT but also in the entirety of WWE. And whether she's on Raw or SmackDown, she'll definitely uh be champion. I need to see Oscar versus Natalia, but like not mm. heel, not heel Natalia. Like passionate about the you know babyface, passionate about the sport, mm. Natalia. Yeah. Yeah, Natalia, man. I'm I'm so glad that she got finally got championship gold after what since 2011 maybe when she when Steve's champion. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's and it's pretty weird too because Natalia she she should be like a multi time champion. Oh, that's definitely. How, and that's how good she is. But yeah, with Asuka, yo, like she's been on a tear. Ember Moon, she's 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 the current NXT Women's Champion as well. Good for her. Yep. Uh, so yep, she's the she's the only she's the only winner from Dallas people, and uh, the Mavericks, dick. <laughs> um, but with Asuka, I'm wondering like who would be the first to break her streak? Kyrie. You think Kyrie Sane? Kyrie Sane could do it. I'm thinking Kyrie Sane, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're gonna go for Charlotte Flair, like at WrestleMania. Yeah, they probably would try to do that. Yeah, I just think Asuka's better than Charlotte Flair. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, and that's not taking anything away from Charlotte Flair because she's one of the best too. But yeah, that's my number five match. Uh, my number four was uh, the War Games match: uh, Undisputed Era versus Sanity versus AOP and Roderick Strong. Uh, NXT Takeover War Games from from November eighteenth. That match, like you say, was hot fire. That was the first War Games match we've had in twenty years, and what the what a hell of a return it was. Yeah. Yeah, and we broke it down in episode ninety nine uh, with, with with Adrian Price here. Shout outs to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, even though Roman Reigns is still not the guy, but um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, but yeah, like that was a great match. And um, man, I expect big things from all these athletes, man. Like AOP when they get to the main roster, Sanity. I like what Eric how they're what Eric Young's doing with his group. Uh, Rod- Roderick Strong. AOP versus Rollins and Ambrose. Yes, that that that's, that's there's a good story to be told there too. There's a really good story. Um, Adam Cole and uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Oh, baby. Yes, <laughs> man, yo, they're they, they so so much talent, man. Yo, the yo NXT's got some hot t- hot fire right now as far as their talent goes, and this match, this War Games match, proves it there as well. Uh, my third favorite match of the year. Um, and this one was pretty tough, and this was part of a trilogy of matches. But I had, but I went with uh, Okada versus Kenny Omega, the sixty-minute time limit draw from N- from New Japan Dominion from June eleventh, okay. and this was this was for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, and this was their second match in the trilogy. And this match, which I also reviewed on the show, um, it was a, it went to a sixty-minute draw, but it told an excellent story where Okada's a champion and Kenny Omega, he's regarded as like the best in the world next to Okada and the story was like I'm the best in the world but I still gotta be the champion I still gotta be o- Okada so I can prove that I am the man up in these streets and 
he came so close, and then that final moment of the match where Okada was crawling towards Omega, and he was just about to pin him, but then the, the bell rang because it was a time limit draw. That was an awesome end to an awesome match. And, like, you can watch the entire trilogy online somewhere. Like, it's well worth it. Like, whether you're a wrestling fan or an up-and-coming wrestler, that match will teach you. That's like a wrestling school right there. Um, wow. Yeah, man. Yeah. Might get you back in the game, too. <laughs> Listen, I ain't wrestled in 10 years. Oh, man. And speaking of... A, a, I could probably still... I think I could still do it, though. Yeah, you know, you still got it. <laughs> That'd be so dope if I get that chance. Oh man! <laughs> and uh, number my second favorite match number two was a uh, Tetsuya Naito versus Kenny Omega at the end at the G1 Climax uh, in October from August thirteenth, right. the G1 Climax final. That match was awesome, and this was a uh, Tetsuya Naito's uh, second uh, uh, G1 uh, Climax that he won that he won the tournament. That match was awesome. Uh, it told a really great story. It was a good redemption story for Naito because, like, from what I from what I learned, uh, he actually won the G One Classic, um, like in think twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. But then after he won, like, he was in a bunch of matches where like he would get beat down most of the match, but he'd still win. And then so that kind of like dropped his stock among the fans, and yeah. people were like, "We can't take you seriously." It's like you barely won. You barely win your matches. And then like he linked up with um, Andrade Cien Almas. Mm-hmm in mexico then he came back as a heel and like he just like blew up again so it was like a good turnaround for him awesome match and my number one favorite match of 2017 tyler bait versus pete dunn yeah nxt take nxt takeover chicago for the uk championship on may 20th okay yo i watched that match three times and like i still get goosebumps every time i watch it i'm gonna have to revisit that one Yo, that match, best match I've seen in NXT and also in all of WWE this year. Like, the the chemistry that these two have, and they're young kids. They're like, Tyler Bates, like 20. He just turned 20 this year. Pete Dunne, I think he's like 23. But they wrestle like they've been around for like 20 years. That's how good they are. And like, yo, if they're if they're this good now, imagine what they'd be like when they turn 30. It's like, so just give them, give them, give them the Intercontinental Championship, give them the U.S. title, give them the World Championships. You know, what? I would not be opposed to that. Well, okay, maybe it'd be a little too early for them, as good as they are, but maybe in like three years. Randy Orton won his first title when he was twenty-four. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I think that was to, to kind of to spite uh, Brock Lesnar because he was the youngest champion at the time. He yeah. was twenty-five. But uh, but yeah, like like maybe two three years time give Tyler Bate or Pete Dunne a run for the U- for the world or the universal championships that's how good they are they deserve it and this match yo 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 Tyler Bate he came in as a defending champion he was the inaugural UK champion right. Pete Dunne came in as a bigger fan favorite and he won there was one wrestler from the UK championship whose name i forgot and like he was a high flyer and he was really good uh, is it Mark Andrews yep yeah Mark yep. Andrews, yeah. He also had a great match with Pete Dunne at the UK Championship Tournament. No, at the, yeah, UK Championship Tournament this past January. Yep, I need to see him in the Cruiserweight division. Yeah, hmm. I mean, yeah, he would be a good f- fit because he is a Cruiserweight, but 205 Live is a wasteland, man, because of how it's handled, though. Like, like if you're a 205 Live, if and if you're a talented dude, that's a death sentence. That's like, ask Austin Aries, ask Neville. That's not a place where you want to be. I heard last I checked. Have you heard any of those talks about Neville? Because last I heard that they was things were starting to look better, but then I just had that was it. Yeah, I heard that like um, th- there were talks of him actually coming back, but then I guess pl- 
plans fell through again, and he's not coming back for now. But he's still he's still under contract. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what's up, I don't know what's up with that. But hey, Neville's a person that clearly clearly knows his worth, and yeah. if Vince doesn't know his worth, then just let him go. Let him shine in the Indies or Japan. There you go. Yeah. So next up, I got movies. Okay. All right. So I'm movies. gonna go back. I'm gonna go backwards. So uh, my number five. Okay. It's a tie. I have a lot of ties, by the way. Be it, stop being a fence sitter, Carl. Yeah, go ahead, Aris. Go ahead. <laughs> Pick one, Carl. I hate you, Carl. That was my Aris moment right there. <laughs> All right, so number five is a tie between Thor Ragnarok and the New Edition story. Really? They had nothing to do with each other, but I, the New Edition movie I thoroughly enjoyed. Although technically it was a TV mini it was series. a TV yeah it's a TV miniseries yet still a movie okay I classified it as a movie okay New number four yeah. Spider Man Homecoming all right number three Wonder Woman yes so mm-hmm. go ahead yeah Look yeah at you, grinning yeah Wonder Woman so it's a great movie the only good DCEU film yeah uh, number two was Logan yes. Mm-hmm. And number one was Get Out. All right. Yes, Get Out. Get Out right here. Right <laughs> here, son. If you haven't seen this film, you need to get out and see Get Out. Yeah. Yeah, care to elaborate on any of those choices, man? I mean, it was mo- a lot of it's more of the um, the experience, especially with Get Out. Like, I did, was not expecting that movie to blow up the way it did. Mm-hmm. And then not to mention, it was just, it wasn't nothing major. It wasn't a major story. Yeah. But a very good one. Absolutely. Yeah, like the the writing was fantastic and like it's still very true to life. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I saw some I saw some interracial couples and I'm like, ooh, this is gonna be an uncomfortable ride. <laughs> yeah, shout outs to my cousin Asia. She um took me out to see that. Yeah. Um Logan, I just it was just a different approach to the in the X Men series, like a rated R Wolverine movie. My mm-hmm. only complaint is, you know, with Hugh Jackman not playing, you know, playing Wolverine, is that we never got to see him wear the suit. Yeah, well, he kind of looked ridiculous in the yellow spandex, though. Yeah, but they could have. I don't think it would needed to be spandex. It could have been like armor, like how they're making all the suits nowadays. Okay, I can see that. Um, Wonder Woman was cool, but you can kind of tell that they started running out of money, and then it kind of got. <laughs> I kind of got turned off. When it turns out that Ares was freaking some dude who looked like Nigel Thornberry. <laughs> David Thewlis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming was just a fun. I took my little cousin David to go see that. I ended up meeting with uh, Jim and Trevor Savard. Mm-hmm. So we had a good time watching that. Um, I actually I thought Michael Keaton did a great job as the Vulture. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a great way to connect the... the um, the MCU and tying uh, Peter Parker into Infinity into what's going to be the upcoming Infinity Wars, yep. and then um, damn it, my last point I completely forgot. <laughs> um, uh, this one was a uh, Thor Ragnarok and yeah, new, Thor new Ragnarok. Um, it was just a fun movie to go. It was just a fun movie to go see, and then a new edition story. Just me, you know, being a hip hop guy and a, just a big music fan and a big fan of New Edition. Mm. It made me appreciate their music much, much more. Even I did go to see I did go to see them live like a couple of years back. Oh, that must have been so cool. I oh yeah, it was that they those old dudes still got it. Mm. And it was just yeah, it was it was a great way for them to tell their story because it was like 
lots of things I that I didn't know about. Like I always thought it was just Bobby Brown causing trouble and everybody else held it together. Mm-hmm. Nah, they aired out their they they aired out their dirty laundry. Yeah. Um, not to mention the guys didn't really look too much like them, but yet you know, like um, Brashear Gray who plays Hakeem on Empire, he played mm-hmm. Michael Bivens. Yeah. He like didn't look nothing like Michael Bivens. Right. But like he he had the character down pat. Mm-hmm. So it was like it was good. It was um. Great casting in their part. Ali Smith playing Ralph Tresvant. Um, yeah, just it was just a great movie. It was just a great movie, fun movie. Like I said, even though it was a miniseries, I still classified it as a movie, but it was still good to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it too. Um, yeah, so that's what's that's what's up. I also have uh five favorite uh movies of twenty seventeen. Uh none of these are in any particular order. So I just picked uh five five good ones, including uh Including a couple that I haven't reviewed on the show yet, but I'll give quick takes on them. Well, you're gonna go into you're gonna do a Victor's Corner during our break, so and that's when you usually go into your go into go more in depth with your. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get into my top twenty favorite films uh, of the year, but um, I'll give my top five real quick, including okay. a few here that I haven't reviewed, but which I'll review on Victor's Corner. One is uh, uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, that film, which I'll say real quick, it, it sounds that that's a film that if you watched it, you would think that this film hits a full line on the Victor's Movies card. Uh oh. Um, it's got. It's oh got, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that. Yeah. Codex yeah. Tragic premise, racism, somebody dealing with terminal cancer. Yeah. I mean, but but it, it's it's a dark comedy. It's also pretty hilarious too in, in spots. Um, and Woody Harrelson's in that, right? Yeah. And uh, Francis McDormand, Sam Rockwell, who plays a a racist shithead cop. Whose hobby includes harassing the black residents in Missouri? Oh yeah, that's Victor all the way. Yeah, well, well not 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 the, yeah. not the cat. <laughs> yeah, that's a Victor movie all the way. Yeah, but 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 it's one I recommend. Um, so the, there's that um, uh, interesting movie that I watched, uh, which I mentioned under the Criterion Collection, uh, Personal Shopper, uh, uh, starring Kristen Stewart. Um, she kind of plays like this weird s- spirit medium, Mary like. Jane? Mary Jane? What? Kristen Stewart, who played Mary Jane in uh, Sam Raimi's but No, that was Kristen Dunst. Dunst. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, Wrong Kristen. Yeah. Sorry. Kristen Stewart. Like she's like, she she's a she makes very good choices as an actress. Like like if don't if you looked at her as just Twilight, no, she's way better than that. I've never seen Twilight. Oh yeah. I'm grown. I I've seen bits and pieces. I'm like, Ugh, man, nobody looks good in that, no matter how talented. But yeah, like Personal Shopper is really good. She plays like a spirit medium who's dealing with like the loss of her brother. Like the whole plot's kind of vague. It's kind of vague and it's a little confusing, but it's also in- intriguing. You just want to watch more of it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to put into words. Like when you watch it, it's one of those movies that you kind of dig. It's either you dig it or you don't, but like there's enough to really appreciate. So there's that. Uh, third movie is Lady Bird. Uh, Lady Bird, uh, uh, which stars a uh, Saoirse Ronan, um, it's direct, written and directed by Greta Gerwig, um, takes place in Sacramento. It's like kind of like a semi-autobiographical story where Saoirse Ronan she plays like uh, this girl named Christine, this high schooler who names herself, who nicknames herself Lady Bird. It's just like you know going through. It's like a coming of age story with like really good dialogue and really funny characters. Um, what kind of stands out in my, my mind about that film is like there's this one pretentious pretentious douchebag. He's like, oh, there's one in every Victor film. 
yeah, I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but there's this one there's this one pretentious character who's like, "Oh, I don't smoke I don't smoke cigarettes. I oh, I don't smoke clove cigarettes because they're full of fiberglass." It's like, "Oh, I only eat organic food." Like, "Oh, fuck yourself, you douchebag." Can you stay? Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, you know, right? You've met people like that, right? Yeah. People who like lord it over you like, "Oh, I only eat organic food because it's probably I probably the ugh. same shit as everything else. It just says organic on the rap on the Rapper, yeah, I know. On the labeling is, I know, right? Or like people who like who like name all these obscure movies that that like to to make it seem like oh my tastes are much superior to yours. <laughs> you know, the people like that are just douchey. Don't don't you? Agree? Don't they need to get slapped? They really do. They really <laughs> do, man. Ugh. Absolutely. Anyway, but yeah, bougie motherfuckers. I know bougie people. Ugh, I can't stand snobbery. But, but yeah, Lady Bird is number three. Uh, number two is a film that I mentioned that I reviewed on the podcast. Good time. Uh, that film is awesome. It's on Blu-ray right now. It stars Robert Pattinson. Uh, that's an awesome movie. Awesome little uh, th- uh, thriller about shitty people doing shitty things. Dumb shitty people doing dumb shitty things. It's a great film. And my number one film, of course, still is Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It be get out. It be it be get out. I mean, like, like if I like, I usually don't like I don't like to rank uh, films. Like, I just leave them in alphabetical order because it's like you're kind of like picking like picking hairs, I, I suppose. But it's like if if I had to rank rank them like in order, like it's Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Well, first of all, Get Out was my favorite when it first came out. Then it was Dun- Dunkirk. Then it was Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Dunkirk, that's the Christopher Nolan film, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that film is awesome, man. Um, oh, he's got. He's also going to be in that James Cameron's uh, History of Science Fiction. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, five films that are out there. Go see them, and give and show and show some love to Blade Runner twenty forty nine, man. Yeah, didn't get enough. It really didn't. I haven't heard much of it. Yeah. Though, do we have some comments here? Or? Yeah, from Amber Williams. She, I guess she's watching the post a bit late. She said, I think in the award shows, they tend to favor Nintendo games at the most for whatever reason. I'm surprised Horizon Zero Dawn didn't get any love and mentioned because it's a very beautiful game. They could have mm. spread the awards out more, more evenly. I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah I agree with that. Um, yeah. She heard me ranting about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... So yeah, that's my uh, five favorite films of the year, and I'll elaborate more on uh, Victor's Corner over, uh, you know, the winter break. Okay. Next up is TV shows. Mm, TV right. shows. These are actually in particular. These are actually in order. Okay. So, I'm gonna start off with an honorable mention. All right. Runaways. Okay. It's worth it, worth watching. Yeah. All right. It really is. It's like yeah, you know, the kid, the teens, are interesting characters, but yet you actually. Even though the parents are villains, mm-hmm. you grow more into you. They become more interesting characters as the series is going on. Okay. Nice. So um yeah, new new episode came out today too. So I gotta make sure I check. I gotta go home and check that out. Um, there's a couple of ties. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, I got ties. Mm. Um. So number five. Go ahead. Is a tie between This Is Us and Insecure Season Two. <laughs> okay. I I gave somebody my word to watch This Is Us, and I'm digging it. Mm-hmm. Um, number four, another tie. Castlevania and the Defenders. Really? 
Yeah. I mean, Castlevania's defenders really slightly behind it, but I'm like they're very, very close. Mm. Okay, all right. I think maybe it's because I didn't get more. I didn't get more with the, with Castlevania. We only got four episodes, which is perfect for that. Mm-hmm. But you know, and Defenders was what eight. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean, it was it was good for what it, it was good for what it, what they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, Stranger Things two. Oh yes, yep. I had really, I really had a really good time enjoying enjoying that series. Just as I still think the first season was a tad bit better, mm-hmm. but the second season is definitely um, enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, number two, another tie. Okay. Secret history of comics and the Punisher. <laughs> okay. Two different categories, but it's like I enjoy them. Ju- I thoroughly enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah, like I have not stopped. I've not seen a bad episode of Secret History of Comics and Punisher, which is so so real. It was probably the realest Netflix Marvel Netflix show. Yeah, but without a doubt. And number one, Game of Thrones season seven. Of course, can there be any other? No, 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 there can't. Uh, yeah, man, and and Game of I have the first uh six seasons on on Blu-ray, and I know seven season seven just came out. Did it? Yeah. I'm waiting. I'm honestly, Game of Thrones is so good. Yeah. That if they come out with an expensive ass box set, I'm. It's worth investing in. Yep. And um and and um, what's her name? Uh, who's the actress who plays Sansa? I forget her name. Uh, Sophie. Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner. Yeah, Sophie Turner. Yeah, she did confirm that Game of Thrones is coming back 2019. Damn, that's a long. Yep, so we're going to go through 2018 without any Game of Thrones, y'all. But it's going to be worth it because six episodes, there are basically six movies Yeah, because of how long they are, so I can't wait. I'm taking days off of work just for that. Oh, absolutely. I did did, did it before. I have no problem doing it again. I salute that. Um, You know, although I can do without the whole auntie-nephew banging, but I, I wonder how... They're gonna resolve that. But, that is gonna be fine. I laughed at that one because I knew it was coming. Yeah, I, I I so didn't want it to happen, but in my mind I'm like, it's gonna happen. You know, their minds was telling them no, but their body. Um, uh, hmm. Top five. Ooh, Nick said, "Wait, I'll let you go." Yes. Uh, top five. Oh man, great choice. Yeah. Uh, Nick Quattrini did mention Westworld. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna put Westworld on my list. Because that's what right now. Even even though Westworld came out last November you on just HBO, made the list. you just made the list. I, I actually start. I first watched Westworld uh, this past June on HBO, and I'm gonna put that on my list because Westworld is an exceptional series. Um, beyond, it's, it's actually my. You know what? I'm a. I don't like doing ties, but if I had if, <laughs> if I had to choose Sometimes though, you got us. If I had to choose between Game of Thrones and Westworld. I'm gonna go with Westworld. And Game really? of, yeah, and Game of Thrones is, is a very close number two, like right here. That's how close they are. But Westworld, I'm gonna put as my number five because it's an exceptional series, sci-fi western, metaphysical themes, um, awesome acting from across the board. Um, oof, I, it's is is the the writing is is spectacular. I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna do that as soon as I get as soon as I get caught up with this is us. It was a prom- I made a promise to somebody. Nah, all right, yeah. Yeah, when you're done with This Is Us, watch Westworld. Yeah. Bruh, like this. It's it's so good, man. Jeez, I got a little holy ghost. Yeah, know. man. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Westworld's number f- uh, five. Number four. Um, number four is Empire. Uh, for last season, mostly for last season, um, because you know I really enjoyed how season three wrapped. Um, see, season four, I haven't caught up with it yet. I stopped where where uh, Lucius got his memories back. Um, past two episodes actually been very good. There's okay. been some filler, but it's been very good and a very interesting twist. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Okay. But you evidently love cyborgs, Victor. John Aponic said that. I... Hey, I mean, cyborgs make for great fiction. Hey, you know, that's probably... Like a... ah! <laughs> I see what you did there, John. I picked it up. You know, a good one, John. I... Listen. I love the cyborgs in Westworld, okay? And technically, they're not cyborgs. They're androids. There's a difference, <laughs> punk. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Empire is number four because, you know, um, Taraji P. Henson, she's my TV wife. I love her. Yes, get it, queen. Um, uh, and plus, like, the way season three ended, it was just... It was just so rich. The way that, uh, the way that uh, Lucius got one over Nia Long's character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you know what? I thought it was a really the sweetest moment I thought from 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 Empire from the finale was where he was where Lucius was serenading Cookie with the guitar song. Main, main, what's good with you, main? Main to a hey, main to be the main, you gotta beat the main. Whoa! You know he did respond to that. <laughs> yeah, he did. I saw his uh, Twitter response. I was like, what the hell is he talking about though? <laughs> yeah, because apparently, like, because I've noticed that in every movie in every show, at some point, Terrence Howard would say. What's good with you, Maine? Or some or some variation, but it's Maine is always at the end. Yeah, like, but that's his thing. Come on, Owen Wilson always goes, "Wow." Show it. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he do, he does. He really Samuel does. Samuel Jackson constantly says, "Motherfucker." Of course. Um, Denzel Washington's always making guarantees. Yeah, or or like he'll he'll slap a cup off a table. He does do that. <laughs> he does do, that. and then he kind of does this little thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man you disloyal fool ass bitch made punk man Denzel's the greatest uh so yeah empire's number four uh number th- uh number three insecure um actually no 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 no. number three is stranger things two uh yeah i'm gonna switch it around number three is strange stranger things two uh i absolutely loved how i like this is an even better season than season one and i really like season one um, this is a great example of a show where you can you can you can balance nostalgia but tell a good story. Nostalgia doesn't doesn't take doesn't take precedent over a good story. Like the nostalgia is there for a bonus. I can't wait for for Stranger, Stranger Things three. I, I'm interested in seeing how they're going to handle that because I know the I know the creator said that um, the well, they, yeah, four seasons. Yeah, it's four seasons, and Matt and Ross Stuff are the creators. They said, they said that the, the kids are getting older, so at some point they're going to do a time jump to accommodate for their ages. Yeah. Um, and I was able to get rid of Dustin. Yeah, Dustin is hilarious. Yeah. I fucking oh, yeah. love that kid. Yeah, you got to keep him on there. Yeah. Um, Especially that get, somebody just made a gif and it just said it was just him saying, "Well, shit," and I'm just like, "That is <laughs> hilarious." I try to use that as much as possible. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I and I'm and I would be interested in seeing the the that that gang that Eleven ran into. Oh yeah, yeah. His her sister. Yeah. I yeah, see. I would love to see her make a comeback. Yeah. Because she seems too interesting to just like leave for one season. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, Stranger Things two is number three. Number two is Insecure. 
um, which we had a blast reviewing on episode 89. Shout outs to Afton. Yes. Oh, shout- man. That was when she really became the Codex Prime. Yo, she... <laughs> Oh, that episode, that episode gave so many, so many people so much life. And that was all because of her. Yeah, man. I had so much to say about that that show. That that show really got me in my feels. Like, in the, in the sense that, like, Insecure kind of made me think back on, like, my own, like, dating history and, like, how the characters kind of... Mine too. Yeah. Well, for... for Shut up. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> And like, man, it just brought a lot. Like, it's a show that like has a lot of unlikable characters, but you still care about them. And 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 I was and I and personally, I found the whole team. Are you team Lawrence or team Issa? I thought it was hilarious and ridiculous at the same time because they're both flawed. And why would you be on either team? But um, I will say. That's why we're on a team because we can relate to them. They're both flawed. They're all flawed. They we can relate to them. True. Nobody's perfect. Well, true, true, except for me. But um, okay, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, people. I'm not. Oh, and Nick says I found I found Billy to be weird hitting on the kid, hitting kids and hitting on the moms. It was so uncomfortable to watch. You know what? Big shout outs to Billy yo, for hitting on um, Mike's mom like that. <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah. That was kind of uncomfortable, actually. I didn't find it uncomfortable at all. Yeah. I'd rather... I found it hilarious. (laughs) I was like, you know what? You get yours. Because obviously... Her, obviously, her husband is completely dead inside. That is true. He, he's and like that was hilarious too. And Dustin Custom, <laughs> yeah, it's like you son of a bitch, you're so useless. Hey, language. <laughs> I was like, that's all you can say to that kid. Yeah, that dude is like a literal waste of space, and we still love him for it. Um, but yeah, um, on Insecure, whether you're Team Lawrence or Team Issa, I was Team Tasha. I mean, yeah. she was she looking. Was Good. Yes. Yes. Mm. Anyway, uh, had a had a had a moment there. Um, and my and of course my number one show is the same as yours, Game of Thrones season seven. Yes. First of all, the opening of season seven with Arya. Yes. Like I was just like, I'm gonna be late for work for this because I usually have to be at work for ten on Sunday nights. Yeah. When with, with the fate, Walder Frey. <sighs> I was just like, yo, that was I'm like I had to go that opening game of Thrones, and that's it. I didn't want yes. to spoil it for anybody, but mm-hmm. and just I got a lot, of, I got some likes for that. And I'm like, listen, yeah, I'm gonna be late tonight. Why? I gotta watch Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. If, if, if your boss was probably like, yeah, I understand. Click. No, it was like, <laughs> well, because I was, I was like, yo, can you mind punching? You mind punching in for me? <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that. I mean, <laughs> oh, that back then they can, we can't do that now. Yeah, new, new systems. But mm. I'm just like, yeah, it was like, why are you really like? I just gotta finish this, and then mm. so, then the finale. Yep. Oh, I need this day. I'm like, what you need that day? What you need that day off for? The season finale of Game of Thrones. Mm. So you're taking the night off of work for a TV show? Yeah. Mm. Hey, it's yeah. not it's not just TV. It's HBO. That's old. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they still use that slogan, right? I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Um, but yo, Game of Thrones, man, season seven was exceptional. Like the like the, there were so many moments that like you waited on for years, or in my case, for like a year before, because like, I watched all six seasons in that span of time. Mm-hmm. But like to see certain moments that were building or built up and built up season after season come to light in this one, come to pass, especially Littlefinger. 
Oh man, that Listen, bitch they got had, his. They had bars had events, mm-hmm. had Game of Thrones events, and somebody was recording. Yeah, when like the Littlefinger trial, mm-hmm. and people were cheering. I saw. Okay, Game yeah. of Thrones that Game of Thrones actually like makes me still appreciate like waiting every week for new episodes to come out. I agree. Yeah, like because the because you can have like hour long conversations mm-hmm. about particular episodes. Yes, that's true. Like it takes me back to back in the day where you had to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and although right now it's getting a little bit harder because they're because spoilers leak e- like yeah. even easier. I didn't even but... pay attention. Like sometimes spoilers don't bother me. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, no, they are they are more. I did not even the second I saw one, I didn't even bother looking. Yeah, because it's like no, I need the full. I need the full experience. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like, I I cannot wait until season eight. Yes, comes you out. can binge Game of Thrones HBO Now app. Yeah, and and right now, like since we have until twenty nineteen, you have no, no excuse. excuse. Because you have all of 2018 to watch the first seven seasons of Game of Thrones because they're all on Blu-ray. They're all on HBO Go or HBO Now. If, if, you're, th- if you're on the fence, just do 70 it. 70 episodes, one day, yeah, one day, we, an episode a day. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, one episode a day and you can- You still have plenty it. of time. Yeah, or, or if you want to take a break, you can do like one episode literally every other day, like Sunday, one, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you probably maybe. Is there an exact date where you can do them? Where, where it comes out in twenty nineteen? Um, it's just they just said twenty nineteen. They they just said twenty nineteen, but well, you can literally do one episode a week. Yeah, you could, and yeah. So then, until once you get a date, then you probably may have to speed up a bit. Yeah, because I know because it may it like like it's not confirmed, but it might come out like maybe in the spring, like maybe April. 2019 the earlier the better or maybe like yeah. in the summer definitely the earlier the better yeah shit. yeah man but yeah but yeah game of thrones man like we've like we've had like a couple of episodes dedicated to like the episode some of the episodes there yeah, we did. yeah and for good reason and like the season finale for season seven was one of the best ones i've seen in any show like yeah. for real like the wall came down the wall came a tumbling down people all right, mine's is mine's is gonna okay. My next list albums. Did you Album. put albums? Put one for albums. Uh, I didn't put one for albums, but you know what? Give me that. If you can give me your pen, I'll write down a couple because I do have a couple on in okay. mind. Yeah. Uh, my top five. Now I'm a DJ. I, this was rather hard because I haven't really listened to a lot of albums this year because mm-hmm. I'm usually just getting song. I'm getting songs whenever I do. You know, for when I DJ, so I get a lot of just individual songs. Yeah. So um. I would have to go with my number five was After Hours from with from uh, Mac Wilds. Okay. Okay. Different approach from one from his uh, New Yorker love story, which I really love. Mac Wilds. Okay. All right. Um, number four was the recently released Fabulous and Jadakiss Friday on Elm Street, the Freddy versus Jason. Fire. Really. Fire. Jadakiss and Fab. Jadakiss and Fabulous. Damn, like we you transported back to two thousand three or something. It was, it, you know what? It kind of feels like that. Okay. Very, very little bit of trap, but it's like, it was New York. All right. It was New York. I'm gonna have to check for that. Oh yeah, it's yeah. on Spotify and all that. Okay, cool. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna check for that for sure. Um, number three, Scissors Control album. Mm. I heard that everywhere, and I just zone out. Mm. Of course, I got a DJ name drop. <laughs> you know, it's my side hustle. <laughs> uh, number two 
Kendrick Lamar's Damn. Yep. And uh, number one, Jay-Z's 444. Yes. Adult contemporary hip-hop. The perfect description. The perfect description. Um, Yeah, man. That's that's a, that's a really good list, and especially with Kendrick Lamar's album. Like, uh, what what do you think about how how Damn compares to his previous two, Pimp a Butterfly and uh, Good Kid, Mad City? Um, Good Kid, Mad City was an amazing album. Mm. To Pimp a Butterfly, I have more history with because I just that never left my that never left my car. Mm. So, um, but I would put it less than those. Still, just as good. I wouldn't definitely. Not, I definitely would not call it. I definitely wouldn't call it his best album. Okay, but still, re- still relatively good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny because like, um, like because with Kendrick Lamar, like, I still listen to Good Kid, Mad City the most, and then right. Paper Butterfly, like, not as much, but I still like. I still bump it from time to time. Yeah. Damn, I listen to even less. But that's not. That's not a knock on damn. But it's just, yeah, you just have a more good, you have more connection with both with the, with the two previous albums. Yeah. Ah, so yeah, good list, good list there. So um, so I, I I was I was I was thinking that you would put like Wale's album Shine on there. You know, I did listen to that. I would probably put that as an honorable mention. Okay. Or maybe a no. I would tie. I would tie it with um. I would tie it that with Mac Wilds After Hours. Okay. Mac Wiles, all right, gotcha. I did review that album on the show. Nice, brother. All right, cool. So, yeah, uh, albums for me. Uh, top five uh, albums of 2017, um, two of which I actually talked about on the on the podcast with uh, Spock Summer. Shout-outs to him. Okay, yeah. Um, first was uh, Odyssey's album, The Future, mm-hmm. which was awesome, incredible uh, hip-hop album from start to finish. Nice underground banger. Also, number four is uh, from uh, Female MC, Rhapsody. I heard that was really good. Yeah, Layla's Wisdom. Yeah, that was really good. And like, if you go on Spotify and listen to all our other albums and EPs, they're also great. Like, yo, like she, like she should definitely be recognized way more because she's that skilled. But at the same time, I really don't want them to because like they'll just get watered down and and mm. stale faster. That 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 may be a possibility, but I think that with the music industry as it is now, because like with like all these platforms online, like like. Like Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. I think, I think artists would have a much better chance of like staying true to their music rather than rather than being watered down, or or, or maybe, maybe it's depending on if they get if their music gets released as singles in a main on a mainstream setting. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, Rhapsody. I, I still say that she should get more recognition than than she than she does now because she's super talented, and like there should be more great female MCs in the game right now, not just the Nicki Minaj's and the Cardi B's. Remy's back. Remy's yeah, with, with killing it. Yeah, she when she dropped that diss track Sheether. Yeah, she's been dropping some other <laughs> stuff too. Mm. She, has he dropped an album or like an EP? Nah, no, she had the joint album with uh, Fat Joe. Okay. Oh, well, I, I didn't hear about that for yeah, some reason. I think that was earlier this year. Hmm. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to look that up. If it's on Spotify, I'll probably yeah, check it definitely it. is. Yeah. Uh, there's that. Uh, so Le- Layla's wisdom, Odyssey, the future. Um, we also have uh, Kendrick Lamar's "Damn," um, DNA. That song he did with Rihanna. Loyalty. Yeah, loyalty. I, um, I do like that because I got the. You know, it takes me back to listening to them old Roger Chalman records. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, also, uh, this album uh, from Jamiroquai called. It's Aut- still making music. Yeah. 
Jesus um, Christ. Yeah, they, the virtual they, insanity. Yeah, they came up with an album this year. It's called Aut- Automaton. Mm-hmm. And that album is really good. If you're a fan of it's kind of like daft punk, like electronic yeah. dance music. Like if you're a fan of that genre, then that's that should be right up your alley. So Jamiro Quiet's Automaton's good. I gotta show you a video of Family Guy spoofed virtual insanity, but it's saying he um He'll say, oh, I can't leave Carter by himself. Last time I did that, he rearranged the furniture in the living room, and he's just recreating the virtual insanity video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's number two. And my number one album, same as yours, Jay-Z, 444. That was on repeat for a rip this summer. Oh, yeah. I, I play that constantly all summer myself, like uh, the story of OJ. Uh, okay. Yep. I'm not black. I'm OJ. Okay. I wonder if OJ actually like, um, like responded to that. As far as I know, no, I haven't yeah, heard he anything. Of, he's better off just laying low, and he's already acting up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and back going back to it, speaking of uh, speaking of OJ. Yeah, I'm gonna go go back to TV shows as an honorable mention. Okay. Law and Order's True Crime: The Menendez Murders. Oh yeah, I know you were. I got really, I got really into it. And a little known fact that Tupac, OJ Simpson, and the Menendez brothers were in jail at the same time. Really, in the same jail at the same time. <laughs> there was actually a scene where uh, Lyle, yeah, Lyle was. Um, no, it was Eric. Eric's the younger one. Mm-hmm. He was actually like having a conversation with OJ, like the second where like everything happened and OJ first went in. Yeah, they were like right next to each other having a conversation. Wow. Talk about like a murderer's row, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, man. Yeah, I mean, but, as a matter of fact, True Crime is on Hulu. Binge watch that. Okay. I think yeah, eight episodes. Binge mm. watch it. Menendez. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and I know the only person I know who's involved with, with the trial. Lyle was actually watching the show. Mm-hmm. So wow. yeah, and he would um he had a Facebook account that was um that was actually linked. Mm-hmm. To um, like his family was running it, but he just told them what to say. Yeah. So he would actually like give little commentaries of what of what he thought on the episode, on each episode. He actually was he wasn't really too negative about it. He was actually rather positive. Okay. Okay. He definitely commended the actors and stuff. Um, I know. Um, you know. Uh, their lawyer, whose name is, escapes me right now, like she had nothing. She didn't want nothing to do with it. But Edie mm-hmm. Falco, who portrayed her, yeah. Leslie Abrams. That was yeah. her name, but Edie Falco, who portrayed her, just pretty much like stole the show. Mm-hmm. It made it became more about her. Yeah. Like, audiences were more drawn to her than they were to the actual brothers. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, and Edie Falco, she's a terrific actress too. Yeah, I haven't seen her in anything else, but yeah, she was in Nurse Jackie for a few years, for several years actually. Oh okay. Yeah, it was on. It was a show on Showtime. It was pretty oh. popular. Oh okay. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, getting back real quick, like 444, man. Every track, man, was great. Um, story of OJ. You had um, uh, Adnis, one of the bonus tracks. Yeah, Family Feud, uh, Many Face Gods. Many Face Gods. Um, that song, 444, was just his response to Beyonce's Lemonade, yeah. in a way, and his infidelity, which was definitely one of the most honest tracks I've heard from Jay-Z. Like, yeah. He's old now. Jay, put, Jay pushing 50. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's all... still like just as good as he was back in his like thirties. Oh, yeah, absolutely! Like, you know, I, like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking now, like, cause for years, like any hip hop head, us included, would, would say that reasonable, reasonable doubt is his best album. Right. 
I'm still th- I'm still wondering now, should I put 444 as like his best and then Reasonable Doubt number two? Or should I Reasonable Doubt do still that. be number one? Reasonable still number one. Yeah. Or maybe maybe I need to give 444 a li- lot more time. Yeah. Give yeah. Cla- you know, time makes classics. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the Sorry, word... Sorry, Drake fans. <laughs> hey, nothing against Drake, but um, some people, some fans make him sound like he's the second coming of music Christ. Yeah. Alright, and uh my final top five list. All right. Video yeah. games. Yes. Last so an honorable list. mention would be Sonic Mania. Great platform, nostalgic nostalgic feel. Um number five is a tie between Madden eighteen and Uncharted Lost Legacy. Okay. So right. and then not to mention well, I wouldn't even have put Madden eighteen in this um in this list. But the um, but the little story mode that they had in there, yeah, awesome. It was like a little, it was like a telltale game, but yet you still like did more. You still did more, like you was more involved with the character. Okay, and Mahershala Ali was in it as well. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, so yeah. um, get that Uncharted Legacy, continuing the Uncharted fran- um, franchise, continuing the story without without any reference to uh, Nathan Drake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, I was gonna spoil it. So you haven't, you haven't even played it yet. You have it, but you haven't played it. Not yet, but okay. I will. I won't go any further. Um, number four was a fighting game. It would have gone higher, but I lost to a bullshit character. So, um, <laughs> Under Night and Birth, which was the game that we played during the Freddy Cup. Okay. Yeah, still not released in the U.S. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, if you can get your hands on it. Do it. As a matter of fact, then when it comes out in the U.S., in the U.S., get it. Mm. Gotcha. Get it. Uh, number three, another tie. Mm-hmm. Tekken Seven and Resident Evil Seven. All right. Though I never finished Resident Evil Seven because I rage quit. Mm-mm-mm. The game is terrifying. It is. So it's just like it's, it's what Resident Evil should be. Absolutely. It definitely is. And in Tekken Seven, I'm just a fan of the whole franchise. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's since Tekken one. Yep. Um, Tekken three was my best one. Number two, Injustice two. Okay. Which one? Game, fighting game of the year this year. Yep. I'm not even a DC guy, and Marvel versus Capcom is not even on that list. Wow. Rightfully, it should be. I just mm-hmm. don't know where I should place it. Mm-hmm. But you know, they're both just as they're both just as good. Yeah. And mm-hmm. number one, Horizon Zero Dawn. That game is just simply beautiful. And shout outs to Mink DeSeda. Every time I just watch the game, every time I'm playing it, I just look at it like, God damn, Mink just nailed that cosplay. Go on our Instagram and our Facebook so you can see those pictures. We had to take a picture with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was impressed by the level of detail. It's like she stepped out of the game. Like Aloy stepped, stepped out of the game herself. Yes. And you know, every detail from like the bow and like the head everything. Every detail. And Nick mm. says Sonic Mania was the better one this year. Sonic Forces was pretty bad. Mm. So I've heard. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, so good good list there. Um, Madden 18. Um, I heard that some trash quarterbacks on the cover. But uh, yeah, anyway... Um, my top five video games this year, and this is and this is in no particular order here, um, but these are ones that I absolutely recommend. Um, no, my number five is Wolfenstein Two: The New Colossus. You put that at number five? Well, like I said, it's, it's in no particular order. You know, I'm I'm gonna get oh, rid okay. of the numbers. Yeah, no, uh, but 
Yeah, no particular order. So oh, yeah, there's no particular order. All right, then go ahead. Yeah, uh, Wolfenstein Two: The New Colossus. It's a absolutely fun Nazi killing game. Um, I especially love the ending, which I won't spoil. But the ending is one of the most satisfying conclusions I have played in a video game in quite some time. Nice. Yes, it is. Um, number f- uh, well, my next game is a uh, Resident Evil Seven. Uh, that game was absolutely terrific. This that's that's how you do a reboot of a of a classic series. Um, you, I was I would encourage you to go back and finish the game because it's that good. Put it dial it down to easy mode if you have to. Like you won't get penalized, but it's worth finishing. And um, it's 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 genuinely terrifying. It's also it's also pretty humorous in at certain moments. Yeah. 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 Like the main antagonist, like his his way with words was pretty funny. Oh yeah, Jack. Jack Baker. He's still a dick, though. Oh yeah, like like he's. You just can't. Won't you won't die? Mm-hmm. He, like how am I, I? I ran you over with a car. Yup. And he goes, "Oh boy, you done did it now, motherfucker." Like why are you still alive? Mm-hmm. He's like video game physics, I guess. Yeah. You ain't getting away, Ethan. Ethan. <laughs> that dude was terrifying. I loved it. Uh, my next game is a game that I'm almost finished with. It's Near Automata, and this game I absolutely recommend. It's actually uh, one of the most distinct uh, video games of 2017, and um, you don't you don't have to have played uh, the PS3 game Near to get into this one because this this was an an entirely different story. Um, it's an action RPG. Uh, it takes place uh, tens of thousands of years in the future, where a hu- where uh, humanity is waging this proxy war between androids that they've built versus mm-hmm. uh, these machines that were built by these aliens that invaded Earth, and um, it's a really it's a really like thematically uh, deep story. Okay. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of moments that kind of make you stop and think, hmm, there's a, there's a lot more to this than meets the eye, and like the gameplay is awesome. It's like a mix of like action, hack and slash, and shooting, and it blends together so perfectly. So yeah, Near Automata. If you're a fan of action RPGs, definitely pick that one up. Yeah, I remember you pushed me out the. You went into a damn panic attack just because that <laughs> cosplay who was having her own little photo shoot on the Sky Bridge at the Providence Place Mall. Yeah, I mean, and, she, and I'm looking at the cover, and I looked at the character, and she nailed the shit out of it. Yeah, like the there was a cosplayer at, at Comic Con. She nailed the 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 main character too. Just walking. Oh my god! Get my car! Get my car! Get my black! Get my car! Get my camera! Get my camera! <laughs> Like okay, but alright. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean it's it's an awesome game. And like and she nailed the character to a T. So yeah, Neo Automata. Get it. Get out and get it. Uh so yeah, there's that. Uh, my next two games include, of course, Horizon Zero Dawn, which we have waxed poetic about. If you haven't played that game yet, shame on you. Go do that now, especially if you have a PS4. And uh, my last but not least is a game that's uh, that's gotten very good praise this year. It's, uh Well, I don't have an Xbox One, <laughs> <Man> so <laughs> uh, it's a uh, Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice, and that's a game which you can actually uh, purchase on the PlayStation Network. And I think it's also for the PC for Windows users. Yeah, one for best audio design this year. Yeah, and uh, the the main and games for Impact. Yep. And I, and 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 that game Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice it uh it's about this character named Senua and it takes place like in like the uh, Viking um in the Viking age or, or so or Nor- in the Norse age mm-hmm. and she's and she's like navigating her way through this through basically hell to get to her 
her husband or her lover to save his life but throughout the game the game deals with mental illness and because like she's a mentally ill character mm. and throughout the game she's hearing she's like going through deep psychosis like she's hearing voices in her head oh, I, can, I wouldn't be able to play that like oh that was striking nerve with me like yeah because as you're playing it like you hear voices like you see like visual hallucinations things that aren't there or 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 maybe they are and like um and even and even her even the character herself senua like when you look at her face like she has a thousand yard stare like when you look at her eyes you can tell that there's something way off like even when she's not saying anything you could tell like i don't know if i want to get to know this character and what's interesting is that the actress who played her melina jurgens like she was the video editor for the game get out yeah, and like, and she and she was originally a, a stand-in. Like she wasn't like she was she was not an actress at all. Like this was just her standing in for the character. But then like she was so good apparently that they just kept her on as like the main character, and like she. Get your money. Yeah, and she actually won best performance at the IGN Video Game Awards. Did she? Yeah, best perform, best acting performance in a video game. She won, and it's well deserved. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm almost done with the game. And like, from what I've seen, it's it's pretty deep. And what's really awesome is that like they actually, uh, Ninja Theory actually hired uh, mental health professionals, psychologists. You know, I think I remember hearing you. Uh, I think I think you did a slight review on it. Yeah, like I, I did mention it briefly, like how they hired uh, mental health professionals uh, in in the field to actually work with the developers to accurately portray psychosis and audio and visual hallucinations and whatnot. So it's it's a really good game. Like if you want to know a game with an interesting story and a game that kind of explores mental illness, but not in a way that's exploita- exploitative or a way that kind of makes it seem like cheap, like for yeah. cheap drama, then this is a game that you should definitely play. Um, I think it's like maybe 20 to 30 bucks on the P- on the PlayStation store but it's well worth it. Okay. It's really good. All right. All right. And um I did a couple of people who uh, dropped their uh top 5s on there on our social media sites. Nick Quatrini, okay. who's been very active on our chat. Thank you very much, Nick. Yeah. He's his top 5s is kind of pretty much like a bo- across the board. So he says my top 5 is Super Mario Odyssey. Okay. Uh number 4 is The Gifted, the X-Men show mm. on Fox. Yeah, still gotta get into that. I started to, so I'm gonna wait. I'm just gonna wait till the season ends and just binge watch. Yeah, that's good. Um, Thor Ragnarok for number three. Okay. Guardians of the Galaxy two for number two. Nah. And number one, The Last Jedi. Not seeing it till Saturday, but I've been waiting for this film for a good eight months or more. Hmm. Yes. So then. I go on to our Instagram for this next one. Yep, the birthday boy, Eddie Rodog from the Party Nerds. Okay. He says, My five games are easy. Okay. Mario Odyssey, Sonic Mania, the Crash Bandicoot trilogy, Cuphead, Cuphead, and Marvel vs. Capcom. Okay. All right. MVC MVC getting some love. Yeah. Nice. All right. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And uh, now we're on to our question of the week. Okay. Okay, last week's question of the week was, uh, what, two su- what two heroes would you choose to create to create the ultimate fusion? Mm. Okay, so uh, Random Ramblings with Rob. Shout out to him. He just had his 100th episode the same weekend as we did. Yep. Uh, and, yes, we will be collaborating. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, Joe and Mama. <laughs> <laughs> But also Batman and Spawn. Okay. 
John Haponic says Harley Quinn and Wonder Woman. Hmm. Intriguing. And Jessica Concussion says Pikachu and Wolverine. I can see that actually. Strange, oddly enough, I could see that. Uh, I can't even get a mental picture. <laughs> and then we have one more. I just got to scroll it. Okay, it wasn't that far back. Okay, here we go. Once again, Nick Quatrini said, I'd probably fuse Hulk with One Punch Man because they're both strong, but it would be interesting to see to see everyone to see someone avoid every Hulk hit. Or mm. if it's reversed, like One Punch Man body and Hulk strength. Mm, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So uh this week's question of the week, since it's a since it's a year in review. Mm-hmm. Let's just go into next year. What are you most looking forward to in 2018? Dang. I haven't really thought about 2018. Uh, to, You know what? I'm Actually, no. I'm looking forward to The Last of Us Part 2. That's what I'm really looking forward to. Okay. I have two things. Okay. Avengers Infinity War. All right. Let's get the ball rolling. Three things. Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And the game Detroit Almost Human. Yeah, that game looks great. Yeah, that game, yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm gonna add that too. Uh, well, not 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 to this, but I'm gonna add it to like my 2018 games to purchase. Yeah, I'm buying that one. Yeah, that's already got my money. I got. Oh, and Dragon Ball Fighter Z, of course. Yeah, of course. I I I can't wait. When's that game coming out anyway? Uh, January 27th. Okay. Oh, that that week, that Tuesday. Hmm. Yeah, I can't wait until that game ends up being a disappointment. I'm going to laugh in y'all's faces <laughs> for, for hyping this game up for months. I highly doubt it will be. Like The mm. game looks absolutely amazing. All the characters are going to be in it. Oh, my God. Like, yo, that mini mm. cup's going to be fire. I bet I will be there. I will check it out because that game does look great. I'm not a DBZ fan, but, yo, the game does look awesome. All right. So, yeah. Send us. Send us your results. It'll be on our Instagram. It'll be on our uh, social medias real soon. Um, or you can also email us at codexpartonpodcast at gmail.com. Or mm-hmm. and just visit all our social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, iTunes. Make sure you leave a five-star review as well. Yep. Um, did pre- pretty much nailed everything, right? I hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the links are in the description. Uh, also, um, also tune in next Tuesday for we're going to be talking about Star Wars: The Last we Jedi. Spoil the shit out of that. Yes, we will. We will get into our our full thoughts on that movie. Um, I will be watching it twice this weekend. That's the plan, as per tradition, for every Star for every main line Star Wars film that comes out. Because I saw Episode Seven twice, so I got to see this one twice. Yeah, um, I can't wait. Yo, my my mind is ready. My body is ready. My soul is my soul is ready. The question is, Carl, are you ready for episode seven? No, episode eight. I'm looking forward to it. All right, I'll take that. I'll take that. My body's not ready for it. I mean, shit. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. That okay? The silver statue of Captain Phasma. Yeah, the Silver Stone Trooper is Captain Phasma, yeah, the Chrome yeah. Trooper. Yo, he looks dope. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing that fight scene with him and Finn. 
she. Oh, it's a girl? Yeah, Gwendolyn Christie. Oh, shit. Brienne of Tarth. That's her playing it? Yeah. Oh, my. Yo, okay. <laughs> okay, you kind of just hyped it up a bit. All right. You hyped it up more for me. All right. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about the Last Jedi next week. So tune in, and if and if for some ungodly reason you haven't seen the Last Jedi uh, this weekend, and you come in next weekend, then you know what what's wrong with you. Then I don't know. But yes, uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for supporting our show. We will catch you on the flip. And as always, peace out, nerds. <laughs>